1: See, this is what makes radio so fun. Uh, Jonathan just sent me a really big message. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I can't read that now. <laughs> I've got a show to do. So so to all my my wonderful reporters who I who I dearly love, please send me a message just at least five minutes before airtime so that I have a chance to read them. Um, because once the show starts I I'm sort of I kinda have to be here talking on the microphone. Uh, and so that's uh that's just a little note here, a little little administrative note. You know, I I don't know if anybody else does this, but I you know I see life as a as a continuum. You know, the show and you know on the air, off the air, it it really doesn't make. Well, obviously, it makes a difference. But it, it but as far as I'm concerned, you know, I talk to people on the air and off the air. You know, like we're we're right next door, and so I think, or like right across the table from each other. In fact, at one point we're going to be right across the table from each other because I'll be at the uh, Creek Tribe, the Creek Fest, and the Creek Fest. Uh, that normally, it used to be called the Pow Wow. but the Creek Fest is going to be uh, the Saturday before um thanksgiving so let me tell you actually i should take a little quick calendar here because i'm gonna be doing a show there at six in the morning <laughs> it's gonna be great um so the the powwow opens up at uh, nine creek fest begins at nine and so i'll be there and this is saturday um november 20th and so that's going to be nope saturday november 19th uh november 20th is the uh, uh is sunday but the powwow still is still going on the creek fest is going on all weekend and so Chief Dan Skyhorse or, or one of the other uh, tribal council members will be here soon to talk about the Creek Fest. That's going to be an absolute blast. I've been there several times. The, the last two years, you know, the whole COVID thing uh, was, just, was just terrible, the way that uh, the government basically tried to shut our lives down for two years. So if you ever want to know what government power unrestrained looks like, that's what it looks like. Everything gets shut down. Your whole life is miserable. You do nothing but either sit at home or, or work for something that helps them. And that freedom? No, they don't care about freedom. So you really got a, an interesting look. Excuse me. <clears throat> you got a really interesting look into raw power and uh, the government. If let to pick the government, you know, picked Brandon over Donald Trump. The government, if left, if left to, uh, you know, create mandates uh, without any restrictions on the constitution, uh, when normally the bastards would have been thrown in jail. Uh, look at the mandates. You know, when you want to see uh, uh, the, the benefit, the benevolence of government doctors, you know, look at Dr. Fascist and the mandates and all the people that have died from the vaccines. And so it's not hard to uh, to see that government unrestrained is is the most awesome and dangerous awesome in the bad sense, not good sense. Awesome means full of awe, right? Or awful. <laughs> you know, it's full of awe. It's the most awesome and awful power on the planet. Um, I mean, it, it, it's governments that create nuclear bombs. It's governments that can put the, the world at war. You know, It's governments that are responsible for most of the evil. And so then the question becomes, well, why do we have government? Well, there's actually a really good reason, but they exceed it so far. It's, it's not funny. Uh, if you remember back, we talked about this when uh, Jen Clark was on with the Australian Bill of Individual Rights. And Jen and I sort of pondered over the question uh, about liberty. Well, what is liberty? You know, and what's the difference between freedom and liberty? Well, this is a fundamental question, and it's something that you should think about. Freedom is what you do as an individual. Are you free to do things? You know, and are you free, and are other people free to tell you what you can do? Well, the answer is no. You know, are you free to do things that impose upon their rights? And the answer is no to that, too. So freedom is an individual thing. So freedom is the ability of you to do things independent of government action where you're not stepping on the rights of other people and you're not committing, you know, major crimes and things like that. So those crimes come into laws. So the question is, how can we have liberty and have laws? So government imposes laws, which we, uh, you know, uh, Assume we, we give our consent to through our elected officials, but that's not happening right now. <laughs> nothing could be further from the truth. But the way it's supposed to work is that we, we the people, we give our consent uh, to be governed you know, in elections and things like that. And once I realized that uh, we were not giving our, our consent in elections because they were fraud, uh, and actually it was before that I realized this, I realized uh, you know, years and years ago that uh, the, the laws that were being passed had nothing to do with we, the people. It was them, the special interests. And so, and i got an article I'm going to go over in great detail in a little bit that really sort of outlines this whole process. Uh, But the thing is that the laws are not made by we, the people. And so the whole point of Action Radio is to reverse that so that the laws are made by we, the people. This is a fundamental change in politics, back to the way it used to be a couple hundred years ago, but with modern technology. And so we seek to reverse the direction that legislation flows. Normally, uh, nowadays, it goes from uh, the corporation or the special interest group or the NGO, non-governmental organization, or some rich billionaire. Uh, like Soros or Gates, uh, they they get an idea and then they go to their corporation or their lobbyists or, or their lawyers and they say, you know, turn this into a bill. And then the, the corporate lawyers and lobbyists turn it into a bill and it goes to K Street for the for the operational part. And from K Street, uh, that's a street in Washington where all the big offices are of all the lobbyists who are usually former members of, of government. And so then they take it to Congress. And uh, sell it. And this is, this is directly from the article I'm, I'm going to read to in a little bit. Uh, but they sell the, the laws to Congress, and then Congress says, okay, great, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll buy that law from you, and uh, in return, you pay us campaign contributions. And, uh, and that's how it works, right? And It's not exactly that blatant, but it's pretty damn close. Anyway, so that's how it works. And so then uh, they get access, as they say. You know, we're we're not we're not buying members of Congress, which of course they are. Uh, they're they're gaining access, which of course they're getting huge access because they're buying members of Congress. And what better access? You know, open the door, come on in. Yeah, you never watched the the lobbyists, and the lobbyists got the name because they were in the halls of Congress, literally lobbyists. Okay, now can you walk the halls of Congress now? No, but I bet the lobbyists still can. Betcha, betcha. I have to go. Uh, well, I'll see when I get to Congress. Anyway, so that's, so that's the point of all this. Uh, so that's, that's how it works. Now, what I'm trying to do is reverse that so that we, the people, write the laws. We send the laws to Congress. Congress sends them to the president. President sends them to the regulatory agencies. And the regulatory agencies actually regulate these special interests, non-governmental organizations, you know, wealthy corporations, and, and huge billionaires. That's the way it's supposed to work. And that's the way, you know, And so we're trying to reverse that. Uh, well, well, how do we do that? We don't have the money. No, we don't have any money. We have votes. We have you, the people, you know. And so there are enough people in this country who believe in freedom, who are America firsters, who are, are Trump supporters. And you don't even have to be a Trump supporter. You just have to believe in America, have to believe in freedom, believe, believe in the First Amendment and the, the Second Amendment and the, even the Third Amendment. You know, all the amendments that you don't know past the First and Second, you know, Fourth, Fifth, Sixth, Eighth, you know, Ninth, Tenth, all that kind of stuff, Plus plus uh, Fourteenth and uh, a couple of other juicy ones in there uh, that really make life interesting. So, so that's what, you know, if you believe in that, then it's not too hard to uh, – Sort of, you know, convert that into political action, which is what we do here. Which brings, which brings up a very interesting thing that happened a couple of days ago. And so I'm looking into uh, a story, and you know me, I, I can't ever just take one story and just let it sit. I got to kind of play with it and see where it goes. And so the story was on the the uh, on, on Twitter. I heard one sentence on on this on Fox News, and, and another one of my Facebook friends picked up on it. And they said that, uh, uh, that Elon Musk has fired the, the, uh, the, the human rights team or something like that. And I thought, who's the human rights team? And I'm getting a picture of, Facebook, uh, of Twitter that's really interesting. First of all, I don't think any Americans other than Jack Rossi work there. Certainly no white men. <laughs> there's no white men and there's no, uh, and there's no Americans working there. All they have are people that believe in dictatorship, uh, which makes sense because that's what they, they've got. You know, those are all the people being fired or all, all the, uh, the aspiring dictators uh, that are being trained at Twitter to be uh, you know, dictators. And and this human rights team was directly subordinate and subservient and probably directly connected to the United Nations and the the Declaration of Human Rights. Now, we're going to go over this probably tomorrow, but the idea is that the human rights uh, are not individual rights. Human rights are group rights. Human rights are collective rights. Human rights can only be imposed upon you by a world government, working through your own national government, uh, state governments, local governments, et cetera, et cetera. But human rights have nothing to do with rights. And has everything to do with making you a slave of the world government. How, why do I say that? Well, because all the so-called rights come with responsibilities. In other words, you have a duty to serve those around you. The whole point of the UN Declaration of Human Rights is it's a service contract. In other words, slavery. Okay? It's a service contract couched in knife terms to make you think that, you're, you know, that your humanity is based on the fact that you will serve everybody else. So do you have a right to free speech? Sure, as long as it doesn't offend anybody. Do you have a right to, uh, to accumulate property? Sure, as long as nobody else is disadvantaged. Okay. Do you have a right to uh, you know, health care and uh, food and shelter? Of course you do. It doesn't matter how much, uh, some, how much wealth is stolen from somebody else who worked for it. Okay. That's the UN Declaration of Human Rights. We're going to go over it in great detail uh, because it's an amazingly dangerous document. Yet whenever most nations, including Australia, when, when, when Jen and I started working on this, that was their, that was their fundamental basis for what they thought uh, you know, rights were all about. And, and, we, and I talked to Jen for, for months on this, and, I, and I've been talking to people for months on this too. Anybody that has a question, 215-383-3832, the UN Declaration on Human Rights, uh, you know, the rights are the last thing on their mind. See, it's not a right if it's not individual. It's not a right if it's not absolute. It's not a right if you can't exercise it freely without government interference. That's what a right is. Anything else is not a right. <clears throat> Anything else is government permission. If, they limit, if government limits the right, it's not a right anymore. It's a government limitation. It's a privilege. You can exercise this privilege if you do what we say. Well, that's not a right. The whole point of a right is it's completely separate from government. So anyway, we'll get into more in this uh, uh, tomorrow. I've got a couple hour block to uh, to sort of play with this a little bit. I'm sort of enjoying these. You know, I really enjoyed all the people that I had on the show, and I'm really enjoying having huge blocks of time so I can develop uh, entire theories for you. Well, then I thought, you know, human rights, rights, you know, da 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 da. And I'm not sure how I got onto it, but I found a couple of. I found that I stumbled on this site. Because uh, I was thinking about you know, freedom and as the fact that you know, Twitter doesn't have any white men. And I thought, well, why, why is that important? Well, because you look at the founders, they were white guys from Britain. <laughs> okay? And you can scream and you can yell and you can piss and you can moan. And you can say, oh, no, that's racist. Oh, that's discriminatory. But it, it, the simple fact is it's true. <laughs> you, know? you look at the philosophers and even some of the French and uh, – and I don't have German philosophers. So I'll have to check that out. But you look at a lot of the, the philosophers, you know, and they were, uh, they were European. They were Western European. They weren't Eastern European. They were Western European. Now, the Eastern Europeans caught up with folks like Vaclav Havel and, and uh, Lech Valenza and some of the other folks when, uh, when Eastern Europe broke away from, uh, from the then Soviet Union, now Russia. Okay? Uh, so that's a whole fascinating thing in itself. I'm not saying freedom didn't spread and there aren't heroes, but what I'm saying is the philosophers, the, the going back to Magna Carta, uh, is basically British, okay? so British white men. Uh, and, and you can, like I say, you can scream and you can yell, but that's the, simply the reality of history. So I'm, I'm thinking, I'm, and of course, then I'm, now, now you know me, right? I'm wondering, well, is that a tradition of, of white guys in general? And what other groups do this? And, and how does this work? And so then I found this, this page. See I, actually, I better pull it up now. It'll, it'll make more sense if I give you the title, because this really is funny. Um, so then the first one I found is uh, the, the uh, i got a founding policy on Liberty. Uh, oh, then I found an interesting article, Liberty, Liberty's White Roots and the racial history of that idea. So what I found is that the left, the left is using uh, race to, engage, to uh, engage in class warfare. All right. So the class and, and political warfare. So the political warfare is between freedom and slavery. And, and of course, the Marxist is basically a, a slave state of slave culture. It's, instead of being slaves to an owner, you're slaves to the government, okay? Uh, and the elite and the powerful, and that's what they want. But slavery is slavery. You, know, you either have free will or you don't. You, you either have control of your life or you don't. But that doesn't mean you can walk all over everybody else. But anyway, so, so the, and I want to develop this idea further because it's kind of new to me that the left uses race as a way to engage in class warfare because Marx is all about class. Right? If you ever read, I remember I, I, took, I got an economics major from the University of Massachusetts, and most of it was Marxian. It's really kind of funny. So I learned a, a contrary education system to what I believe. But because I did that, I know how those people think. And everything's based on class. Right. So in other words, you have your, your you know, white privilege. It's not a racial thing. It's actually a class. It's a class. It's a class of people. But what's funny is that the elite levels, they don't, they don't see that. They don't see color. They don't see race. They don't see uh, you know, gender specifically. They, they just see you know, wealth and power so it 's just as easy for a dictator you know in a white dictator to talk to an Asian dictator to talk to a black dictator to talk to uh, you know any other kind of dictator it's it 's fascinating so but they, see they't they don 't they don't worry about that kind of stuff right they, they make us worry about that kind of stuff and so this is how they separate people by class while engaging in so they engage in racial warfare uh, to separate people by class because people that are black white asian jewish christian buddhist um, latino et cetera. Et cetera you know have more in common if you're all middle class with the same income all right so that's that's where the unity comes in it's It's not the races that unify together because you've got uh, poor black folks and rich black folks do they have anything you know who who do you think has more in common? a white person and a black person of approximately the same income living in approximately the same neighborhood you know where the kids go approximately the same probably the same schools you know do they have more in common or do you think the, the rich black person and the the, the you know does the county West have something in common with uh, some a black person on welfare for example no the different classes even though they're the same skin color and this is where the difference comes in so it's fascinating to see how this happens anyway i'm, I'm digressing a bit so then i found this article uh here let me see if i can pull it of here liberty's white roots and the racial history of that idea and this is from the website uh oh npr <laughs> national national socialist radio okay well this one's pretty good this one didn't get pulled the one that caused facebook all the problem and this is why this is so funny is the black agenda report and it says news commentary and analysis from the black left what better place to, to look for racial you know, class warfare uh, than this place? And so I did. And the question they asked is, is freedom white? Okay. So, so Facebook took one look at this, and they said, is you know, and they said, uh-oh, Greg's posting, is freedom white? He must be a white supremacist. We have to you know, cancel him for 30 days. That's what they're thinking. So I appealed it. I said, take a look at the article <laughs> again. You know, it's, it's this news and commentary and analysis from the black left. All right. This is not a racial thing. This is a political thing. This is this is class warfare waged through race. And of course, as soon as they saw it was the black left, they immediately reinstated me. <laughs> so I a, it was from the Action Radio Mind Project. So I paused it. I was thinking of scrapping everybody, canceling the whole group, starting again as a private group, saying somebody in here is sabotaging me. Uh, I'm not sure of that now, uh, but they still might be. So I'm going to be really wary. I'm going to be watching you know, the Action Radio Mind Project very carefully. There's a reason. I'm not, I'm not trying to make you folks inconvenient by having all of my groups, all 20 of them, you know, have, uh, have post approval. I'm trying to protect us from exactly this kind of thing. But even I goof, you know, because there's no check on me. <laughs> you know, I, I, I check you guys, but there's no check on me because it's, you know, my organization. Uh, anyway, so, so the, we're going to get into this article, but isn't that fascinating that as soon as Facebook found this was an article from the black left, you know, asking us Freedom White, Now it's not a racial thing. Now it's okay, (laughs) because it's a class thing. It's a class warfare thing, even though they're using race to uh, uh, to highlight their position. So then I got the last article. I think this is the one that that got them too. Uh, Yes, white men built America. (laughs) It's a fact. We're going to go over that one too. That that one's from uh, Ron Ewart and I've forgotten. Oh, Christian News. Okay. Oh no, Christian nationalist white supremacists. All right. So we're going to talk about all this. So 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 don't think I'm not being representative. I really am. You know, I've got articles all over the political and racial spectrum. Because that's what makes it interesting, uh, I think. Anyway, so that was where we stood. Now, l- let's juxtapose that, juxtapose that with the fact that uh, our latest nation on, on the Action Radio world map, are you ready for this? Cuba. How the hell did that happen? I didn't know Cuba got, got the Internet. But we have listeners now in Cuba. And, and I, you know, all you folks who are listening, uh, in fact, I've been, I've been trying to get Josie to do a Spanish language segment on Action Radio. Uh, maybe because she goes to Cuba, and she's talked about this before. But let's, let's give a – let me see if I can find this real quickly here. I'm, I'm vamping again. Can you tell? Uh, let's let's – uh, where's my, my – uh, here we go. Let's give a round of applause for Cuba. For all the folks in Cuba that are listening in, welcome to Action Radio. Uh, I can't say we have your back because there's only so much we can do here. However, if you spread the word, wouldn't this be interesting? You know, I've always wanted to cause a revolution of, of freedom. Wouldn't it be interesting if listeners in Cuba don't get yourselves killed? I mean, please, I mean, I, I you know, I know what we do here is valuable. Um, we're going to, we're going to move around the world. We've got plans. We've got ideas. We've got a lot of things to do here. But I don't see, I really don't want to see anybody killed over this. And this goes for the Muslim countries too. So if you're going to start thinking of writing your own laws, uh, your government's going to find out real fast. And I don't want that to happen. I want that to be the standard here. Of course, here, I mean, I mean, the FBI is liable to come through my door. the the FBI KGB from uh, Merrick Garland, who who runs up the uh, um, the Department of Internal Security, <laughs> you know, uh, uh, I mean, when they say Homeland Security, uh, you know, I wish they would just said the Department of the Homeland. That would have been a lot nicer. That's Homeland Security. So anytime you see that word security from the government, you got to worry about whose security it is. Well, it's theirs, of course, right? So that's what's going on. Anyway, so... Uh, um this, this is all quite fascinating to me. Now, I'm hoping the signal isn't breaking up. I'm hoping I'm okay simply because we had problems last week, but I think I had too much uh, on the computer and too much in the memory, and it was not working well. So I'm trying to get rid of a lot of stuff. And, of course, then I get paranoid and think I don't have enough articles. All right, so we've got the election tomorrow. Oh, boy, won't that be fascinating. Uh, we've got uh, – I told my – she was on there. All right, let's get into the act uh, that, uh, that I wanted to talk about. So over the weekend, uh, I had a new, new idea. And uh, thinking about this, I knew I was going to do the show. Most of the shows take about a week to develop. Uh, by the time I've thought them through and decided what articles and, and what I'm going to do. And then, of course, once people start calling in, all, all the plans go out the window, right? And we just go where we go. And, and you know, I think about, uh, about 10% of the time I have to change the show title because we, we went in a completely different direction. But I'm thinking to myself, okay, so... Uh, if, if the lobbyists are writing the bills and they're being backed by major corporations and uh, uh, and they're backed by, you know, billionaires and, and all these different people and the, you've got the, the churches, the NGOs, you know, like Catholic Charities, I'm sure, writes bills that you don't know about. I'm sure that, um, you know, Gates and, and, and Soros put bills in you don't know about. Uh, I'm sure that there, there's there were all kinds of secret plans to make the district attorneys, you know, absolute Marxists and be part of the crime problem. Uh, district attorneys are part of the crime problem. I mean, that's obvious because they're letting the criminals go. Um, the, what used to be known as the Department of Justice, or as I, I'm going to start calling it the Ministry of Internal Security, um, something out of 1984, has nothing to do with justice. I mean, nothing whatsoever. And just saying that, you know, probably has me on a list somewhere. Well, I want to welcome the members of the FBI, KGB, to do uh, like normal people do: call in, talk to me. I'd be happy to discuss, you know, uh, your, the, the, the how you've lost your way and see if we can bring you back to American patriotism and the fundamental constitutional rights and things that you should know about that you probably swore an oath to uh, uphold, but when it comes to breaking in somebody's door, you're just following orders. And I I need to bring you back to that transition. I need to bring you back from just following orders to saying, no, I'm going to honor the Constitution because that's where I swore my oath. So that's what we need to do. And so it'd be interesting if, if pensions were contingent on adherence to the Constitution. You guys like that idea? I literally just thought of it just now. What if government pensions, were were based on how much you were your uh, you, uh, your allegiance to the Constitution was and how much you served the Constitution. I can write that down. I don't like that idea. Hey, let me just put that um, uh, notebook or something. I got to move move things around here. What if pensions, government pensions? Now, of course, how would you judge that? Well, how do you how do you judge salaries? How do you judge anything in government? You know, is it just seniority? If you've been there twenty years, doesn't you have more allegiance to the Constitution. That probably means you have less. <laughs> you know, actually. Uh, but let's, uh, let's let, me, let me write that down here. So government pensions. I'll get some ideas. Well, yeah, in the meantime, let me play some something, something for you while I'm writing, just because, um, just because. And we'll be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. The complete guide to flight instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Gravecare Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. And now we're back. Welcome to Action Radio. Here we go. See what happens when you let me loose with the production board? I do stuff. But that one's a little bit loud. (laughs) I'm going right down again. Uh, unfortunately, and I, I always forget this until I actually um, play something, that they always play it a little bit louder than it, it, it should. The, 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 the default volume is louder than it should be. So we're going to play that. We've got, uh, we've got our news themes. We've got uh, stuff like that. All right, let's get, um, let's get down. One day I'll just memorize where everything is. All right, let's get into the newsroom and see what's going on. All right, so uh, this is an article I found, um, Investment Watch, and it's probably the best article. I listen, it sounds really quiet. I hope everything's okay here. Better be okay. <laughs> I never know for sure, um, but it sounds like my. I say, it, like, it goes from stereo to mono. It just sounds really weird on my microphone right now, so hopefully all is well. Um, if it's not, somebody's going to type in or text in or something like that. We also have live chat too. So if you were listening and I've disappeared, just go to live chat and tell me or text me or you know, send me a message. Let me check my phone here real quick. This is this is one of the, the problems with, uh, with, with blog talk. As much as, I, as much as I love blog talk, and I, I, you know, this is, I'm having way too much fun uh, with, with blog talk here. But one of the things is that they don't have digital meters. So I can't tell when I'm broadcasting or not. And I've, I've been trying to correct that for about, I don't know, three years. <laughs> Hopefully, they'll get the message. All right. So let's go to Investment Watch. And this is from April 29th, 2020. Uh, and this is from Sundance so obviously this person didn't want to put their name in. Investment Watch, uh, the, the actual letters, is from the independent media. Uh, it says, a fine selection of independent media sources. And so if they have the IWB. I'm not sure what that stands for. So anyway, Investment Watch from IWB, and it says, not a single person in Congress actually writes legislation or laws. It's all subbed out to K Street. All right, so the reason I'm going to read this article in great detail is because I have a bill that kind of changes that a little bit. And what my idea was over the weekend... Was that everybody, since the bills are not written by congress uh, wouldn't it be nice if we knew if we knew who did write the bills, and so I was thinking, and i don 't have the bill listed yet, and this is number one hundred and seventy six uh my bills yet to write <laughs> i have literally years years' worth of work that uh, to, to do on action radio and that 's just me because you folks have ideas too, so th- there could be potentially you know several thousand bills out there uh that can be written very specific, very pointed, uh very much directed for exactly a specific purpose anyway. So the whole idea of my bill is that it would be called the Full disclo- the, the Full Legislation disc- Disclosure Act. And so anybody that's associated in any way uh, with a bill uh, would have their name on the bill. So in other words, before it goes to Congress, you know, let me see. Here's the comment that I wrote. This is a bill which requires everyone who participated in the writing, research, contracting, every company involved. Every special interest group that contributes, all financial tracking, all payments, donors, grant writers and recipients, uh, lawyers, editors, writers, lobbyists to present it, media interview um, people. I get well, not about the media folks. I have to worry about that. Probably not. Uh, in fact, everything and anyone that contributes anything to the writing of a bill up to the point of acceptance by Congress or the state legislatures or the local governments must be fully disclosed on the bill itself at the beginning of the bill before the table of contents of the bill and in the congressional record. So that's the idea. So if you're a lobbyist, lawyer, writer, uh, editor, grant person, funder, if you, if you give money, if you're a contributor, uh, if you're a special interest group, if you're a corporation, if you're a wealthy individual, if you're anybody that in any way has participated in the writing of a bill, that would include us. Of course, you know, us, we, we don't have a budget. <laughs> so it'd be like, you know, in fact, but we do, we do this already, actually, because the name of the people that write it is on the bill. You know, I've, I've got a bunch because I sort of developed this process. But uh, Jonathan is on the next hour. He's got a bill. Uh, I think he, he might have a couple of them at this point. I'm not sure. Pianchi has got a couple of bills. Uh, Josie has a bill. A lot of folks do. You know, and so, but their names are on it. Uh, the bill that I wrote with Dr. Zelenko has his name first because all the information came from him. I just wrote the bill and, and, and threw a couple of ideas into it. So his name is on it and my name's on it. Uh, people that endorse the bills, their names are on it. Uh, And so anybody associated with the bill, the author, usually one person, you know, authors the bill. And, of course, you know, anybody that that is involved in helping the bill, commenting on the bill, you know, additions to the bill, amendments, that goes in the the public comments. So so we have a legislative track record. So you know everything we're doing. We are actually transparent, you know, in the true sense of the word. You can see what we're doing. You can see through what we're doing because it's all published. But with the corporations... You don't, you know, if you find out who actually wrote the Affordable Care Act, you, you'd find that it was, uh, you know, the health insurance companies. If you look to see who wrote energy policy, it'd probably be the oil companies. If you look to see who wrote, uh, you know, <laughs> who, who do you think wrote the vaccine immunity <laughs> from liability? <laughs> well, the vaccine companies. OK, but you should know that you should know that going in. in fact, it should be required to be disclosed. Uh, and you know who else would be interested? Members of Congress. They might be interested to know who's behind these bills. Okay. And so that's my, uh, I haven't written the bill yet. If you have ideas, then you can put them in live chat uh, once I post the bill. You can say, "Hey, Greg, put this in there." I'm like, no, that's, that's pretty good provision. Let's put it in. So, all this is open. I mean, and you you write the legislation. We write it uh, together. We comment on it together, uh, and then everybody hopefully will submit it to Congress and say, "Here you go." So, here's what the here's what the article says by Sundez. He says, "With Congress saying they will not be returning to work next week, and this is April 29th, 2020, right before the 2020 election, all right this is before we knew that the uh, <clears throat> that elections were, were total frauds and that." Um, the only thing really left to us at this point, I think, is citizen legislation, because the, the, the people that, that are, are elected officials have been totally bought. The elections have been completely stolen. So what's left? Well, the only thing left is the laws themselves. And that's what we deal with. This is why we're going to be – Action Radio, I believe, is going to be critically important to our freedom in the coming years. Let's see what happens. With Congress saying they will not be returning to work next week, it appears Kentucky Representative Thomas Massey has decided to use the opportunity to expose Washington, D.C.'s biggest secret, something 99% of American voters do not understand. Oh, dear, he's telling secrets. You see, Congress doesn't actually write legislation. The last item of legislation written by Congress was sometime around the mid-1990s. Modern legislation is subcontracted to K Street, Lobbyists write the laws. Congress sells the laws. Lobbyists then pay Congress commissions for passing their laws. That's the modern legislative business in D.C. CTH often describes the background D.C. motives with the phrase "I'm not sure what CTH is." I, I couldn't find a list, of, so there's a little flaw in the article. Uh, so here's the quote though: "There are trillions at stake." The process of creating legislation is behind that phrase. D.C. politics is not quite based on the ideas that frame most voters' reference points, okay? So with people taking notice of D.C. politics for the first time, yes, because the election was about to be stolen, right? But we didn't know that then. Was, and with people not as familiar with the purpose of D.C. politics, perhaps it is valuable to provide clarity. Most people think when they vote for a federal politician, a House or, rep, or Senate representative, they are voting for a person who will go to Washington, D.C., and write or enact legislation. This is an old-fashioned schoolhouse rock perspective based on decades past. There is not a single person in Congress writing legislation or laws. Let me repeat that one more time. Let that sink in. There is not a single person in Congress writing legislation or laws. It's sobering to think, folks, and I'm off the article. It's sobering to think that we at Action Radio with the the, the 10 maybe bill writers that we have, have written more legislation than every member of Congress since the 1990s. I want you to think about that for a second. That's how much power they've given up. Well, if they've given it up, it's up for us to, to take it up, which is exactly what I intend to do. Back to the article. In modern politics, not a single member of the House of Representatives or Senators writes a law or puts pen to paper to write out a legislative construct. That simply doesn't happen. Over the past several decades, well, I think it's a little different. I've heard about actually people, you know, in Congress that have had ideas for laws. They've cooperated on laws a little bit, but I don't know if they actually sat down at a computer and typed out the bill. I mean, I do. Actually, radio people do. We actually sit down at a computer, you know, type out a bill, an act to do whatever, you know, National Blue Fuzzy Teddy Bear Day. <laughs> you know, it being an act that uh, Congress shall authorize, you know, December fourteenth as National, you know, Blue Fuzzy Teddy Bear Day. You know, we actually type those things out. Well, I, we're not going to talk about that one, but you know what I mean. But that's how you write a bill. And then that bill has a link, and that link can be sent to, you know, all of media, all of Congress, and everybody you know. That's how we lobby. We write the bills. The links to the bills on writesyourlaws.com allow you to share that bill with everybody you know, every member of Congress, every member of the state legislatures, every member of local government. In fact, everybody on the planet who has Internet, you can share our bills by simply sending them the link. That, ladies and gentlemen, is power. It's a power that the the, the, uh, the the forces against us, the deep state, doesn't understand yet that we have. <laughs> when they do, life's going to get very, very interesting. But it's going to happen. Sooner or later, it's going to happen. I, 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 this, <laughs> oh, the things I know, it's kind of scary uh, as to what's going on. But we've got, to, we've got friends. Folks, we have friends in, in high places. And so, yeah, let me just leave it to, at that. Back to the article. In Modern Politics, Not a Single Member. I already read that. Over the past several decades, a system of constructing legislation has taken over Washington, D.C., that more resembles a business operation than a legislative body. See, so this is why I wrote the bill that said that if you're an individual contributor to Congress to, to a race, you know, that contribution, that 25 bucks you send in, that's free speech. But if a corporation sends $100,000 of soft money or black money to a party or to an organization, that's commerce because they're expecting a return on that investment, right? Let's get back to uh, – How it works. Back to the article. Outside groups, often called special interest groups, are entities that represent their interests in legislative constructs. These groups are often representing foreign governments. Big surprise there. I don't. Can you say China? Can you say Biden mafia? (laughs) <laughs> there we go. Back to the article. Wall Street, multinational corporations, banks, financial groups, or businesses or smaller groups of people with a similar connection who come together and form a larger group under an umbrella of interest specific to their affiliation. See, those are the people I want on the bill. Full disclosure, those that's exactly the group that needs to be on on, uh, on every bill that goes to Congress, who those people are, who's sponsored, who's behind it. All right, And not some euphemistic name like, uh, you know, uh, uh, Friends of the Planet. You know? <laughs> Something like, it's got to be the real group, right? Anyway, article says, sometimes the groups are social interest groups, activists, climate groups, environmental interests, etc. The social interest groups are usually nonprofit constructs who depend on the expenditures of government to sustain their cause or need. Yeah, all those groups out there, you wonder what keeps them going? The government does. Yeah, you remember when, when uh, Obama was, was taking uh, fees and, uh, and penalties and, and taxes and, and money paid to the EPA and sending it out to the Sierra Club and Friends of the Earth and uh, you know, World Wildlife Fund and any, and any other group that he, he, he picked to do stuff? That, that's how it works. So the government funds these groups. They get grants. I need a grant writer. <laughs> I want a grant. I want a grant for, for – I need, I need a Freedom Grant for Action Radio. Big one. Six figures, nice. Seven figures, even better. You want to see a marketing budget? You want to see us change politics? Find me a grant. I'm serious about that. Contact me, Greg at writeyourlaws.com, uh, or you know, send me a friend request on Facebook. I'm, I'm getting more particular about that due to my last experience this weekend, but you know, it's still about. It's still around. Back to the article. The for-profit groups, mostly business, have a purpose in Washington D.C. to share, to shape, excuse me, shape policy, legislation, and laws favorable to their interests. They have fully staffed offices, just like any business would, only their business is getting legislation for their unique interests. Let's do a quick check here. And go back. Yeah. Oh, getting legislation for their unique interests. Here we go. These groups are filled with highly paid lawyers who represent the interests of the city and actually write laws and legislation briefs. In the modern era, this is this is actually the origination of the laws that we eventually see passed in Congress. Within the walls of these buildings, within Washington, D.C., where the sausage is actually made. Yeah, uh, I think it was uh, P.T. Barnum or, or someone said uh, people who like, uh, you know, who enjoy laws or legislation shouldn't watch them being made or enjoy sausage or legislation. Shouldn't laws. Let me start again. People, you, you can quote, people who... Uh, you know, favor laws and, and sauces should shouldn't watch either of them being made. So I understand that. That's I butchered the quote, but you know, that's how it goes. All right, sorry. I better get back to the article. Again, no elected official is usually part of this law origination process. Almost all legislation created is not, quote, high profile. They are obscure changes to current laws, regulations, or policies that no one pays attention to. I give you section two thirty of the Communications Decency Act, titled 42, I believe, which within four lines of law uh, allowed big tech to censor everything that we do. So what do you do? Do you have a massive antitrust agency? Do you have a whole new regulatory department? Do you pass a ton of new laws? No, you fix those four lines. I did that in our Section 230 bill. It's easy to correct. Once you know where the problems are, it's easy to, find the, to write the solutions. The hard part is getting Congress to do it because they're paid by the people to enforce the problems on us. They're paid to enforce special interest legislation on us, on we the people. So it's time for we the people to reverse that. And we can do it. We've got the vote. They got the money, but we got the vote. Vote trumps the uh, uh, money if you have enough votes. So we got to get enough votes. It's just that simple. Once the corporation or representative organizational entity has written the law they want to see passed, they hand it off to the lobbyists. Okay, so this is this is really a business. Uh, you know, you've got you got manufacturing, which is creating the law. You've got uh, distribution and transportation. <laughs> that's the lobbyist, uh, and you've got advertising. You know, selling it to Congress. So you have all the all the components. So lobbying is all the components of a modern manufacturing business. It's exactly the same. That I got from this article. I didn't make that up. All right, it says the lobbyists are people who have deep contacts within the political bodies of the legislative branch. Those would be the account representatives, known as senators and and members of the House. But we're going to call them account representatives for now to the lobbyists. Political bodies of the legislative branch, usually former House staff, House Senate staff, or former House Senate politicians themselves. Yeah, the best lobbyists are people that know how government works. That's why people in government, when they want to make money, they go work for lobbyists. That should be illegal. That's another bill if somebody wants to write it. The lobbyist takes the written brief, the legislative construct, and it's their job to go to Congress and sell it. So when you think of lobbyists, just think of used car salesmen. If they're operating from a special interest, if they're operating from, uh, you know, we the people with bills that benefit everybody. See, none of our bills are special interests because they benefit everybody. That's, that's one of my requirements. If you're going to write a bill for Action Radio, if we're going to get behind it, we're going to sponsor it, and we're going we're to put our name on it here. You're going to put your name on it, and I'm going to put my name on it, because every bill, even though my name's not on it, my name's on it, right? So if this is going to get out of here, it has to benefit everybody. You can't be discriminatory. You can't have a special interest. You can't, you can't benefit a, a, any kind of a group. It's got to apply everybody to everybody equally. That's just a rule. That's, and that's how the Constitution was written. You know, the Equal Protection of Law is the 14th Amendment. We're upholding the 14th Amendment by making sure that any bill that comes out of Action Radio benefits everybody equally. That's just a requirement. It's a constitutional requirement, and we're going to follow it off my soapbox. Back to the article. Excuse me. Selling it means finding politicians who will accept the brief, sponsor their bill, and eventually get it to a vote and passage. The lobbyist does this by visiting the politician in their office or more most currently familiar, by inviting the politician to an event they are hosting. The event is called a junket when it involves travel. You guys remember Epstein Island? Okay, that was like the ultimate junket for the, for the pedophile uh, politician. All right. Well, often the lobbying event might be a weekend trip to a ski resort or to a conference that takes place at a resort. The actual sales pitch for the bill is usually not too long, and the majority of the time is just like a mini vacation. So this reminds me of like a timeshare. <laughs> you, yeah, you guys ever hear about that? The timeshares, they, they invite you in, you know, or they'll send you someplace. And while you're there, you, you have to go to a meeting, right? Well, what's the meeting? Well, that's a, that's a sales meeting where they're trying to sell you a timeshare. Well, where are you? You're at some beach somewhere, you know, some beach in Cabo San Lucas, you know, watching dolphins jump uh, in the surf, you know, and the, and, and the person's right there with your pina colada, you know, and by the way, have a pina colada. Oh, here's, a, let me tell you about our timeshare. <laughs> What's the difference between that and the politician saying, let me tell you about our vaccine product liability immunity. What's the difference? You know, Pfizer, you know, re, Pfizer resort. <laughs> Does Pfizer have a resort? Somebody look that up. Does Pfizer have a resort? Do, 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 do these uh, vaccines, does do Big Pharma have resorts? I mean, do they send people to their island? Does Pfizer have an island? Welcome to Pfizer Island. The plane, the plane. <laughs> okay, well, this is the kind of stuff I wonder about you know, when I'm, when I'm talking to myself here, or, well, you two. Um, one, two, two all, right, uh, all right, here we go. This, back to the article. <laughs> I, should get, I want to get this finished before Jonathan comes on at the top of the hour. Then I can stop talking and I'll, I'll listen to him. The size of the indulgence within the event, the amount of money the lobbyist is spending, is customarily related to the scale of benefit within the bill the sponsoring business entity is pushing. In other words, let me, let me put this in, in, in simple English. It's a return on investment. Okay? This is why I have a bill which I'll also put forward. We'll probably talk about this soon. This is that any money spent that uh, that could be related to commerce. In other words, a return on your investment, a bill that benefits people specifically should be regulated as commerce, probably taxed and all kinds of other things. We need to talk about that because the Supreme Court said, no, that's not that's not commerce. That's free speech. Really? Is it free speech when a member of Congress is taken by a large corporation or a special interest group to an island to to uh, do horrible things with young people? you know, they don't all do that. But I'm just saying, uh, if they go for like a ski trip or they go, uh, you know, to one of these world, you know, climate conferences. And by the way, while you're here, let's, let's talk about your timeshare. I mean, your, uh, our bill, you know, I mean, what's the difference between that and uh, an investment? And these things should be regulated as investments, right? So lobbying, we need to start taxing lobbying of commerce. <laughs> it's not free speech. That's another story. But I imagine the business, well, how do you tax the business profits? I mean, this opens up a whole new can of worms for us to look at. Special Investigative Project. We need we need investigators. If you want to be a lobbyist or a special investigator for Action Radio, I am open. Okay, that's what we do here, and that's how we write our legislation. So I need I need I think I, I get to, I got to get the college kids, you know, Turning Point USA and things like that. Let me just do a quick check of the live chat. Is anybody talking to me? Nope, not yet. All right, back to where did my article go. Back to my article. Right, let's, let's bring this back up here. Let's go back to here. Do this to here. Move this over to here. Take two. Jonathan's coming on in 17 minutes. Ah, gotta keep going. Uh, here we go. Uh, here we go. The size of the indulgences within the event. Yeah. If someone is, is if, if the sponsoring business or interest group can gain a lot of financial benefit from the legislation, they spend a lot on the indulgences. Okay, that's what I said. This is quid pro. pro this is quid pro quo. Slow down, Greg. It's Latin. In other words, you give us this, we'll give you that. Quid pro quo literally means this for that, if I remember my Latin. And so uh, if a company is taking members of Congress on a fancy trip, hey, let's go see the pyramids. By the way, let's talk about Middle Eastern oil. <laughs> you know, If they're doing that, that's, that's lobbying. That's, that's, uh, that's, a, that's engaging in commerce because the money they spend is not, is not even close to the money they're expecting in return on their investment. Foreign aid is a perfect example. Corporations are all for sponsoring foreign aid because they know most of the foreign aid is going to be spent buying products of the corporation. That's why they do it, plus the money laundering. You know, Ukraine is, is basically the, you know, the deep state bank. We'll talk more about that when I get to better investigations. So then this is recap, the next, next category. Corpor- here's a quick summary of what we've just said. Corporations, special interest groups, write the legislation. Lobbyists take the law and go find politicians to support it. Politicians get support, from their peers, using tenure and status, et cetera. Eventually, if things go according to norm, the legislation gets to a vote. Yeah, there's a certain status about having a committee chair, then you can direct which bills come out, even though the Speaker and the Majority Leader have the ultimate authority. There's only two votes in Congress, the Speaker of the House and the Senate Majority Leader. Those are the only two votes. Everybody else is subservient and game-playing and doing stuff within them, unless there's the rare exception like a discharge where a bill gets out of committee and goes to the floor uh, with objections from the Speaker or the Senate Majority Leader. All right, back to the article. Within every step of the process, there are expense account lunches, dinners, trips, venue tickets, and a host of other customary financial waypoints to generate, leverage, uh, generate or leverage a successful outcome. The amount of money spent is proportional to the benefit derived from the outcome. What if no money could be spent on lobbying? What if, lobbying, um, what if in the process of lobbying, no gifts or exchanges or anything could take place? So wait, I'm going to write this down. So we need an act. Banning the transfer of anything of value. Banning the transfer. Anybody wants to help me write this? The transfer of anything of value. Anything of value to a legislator. You know. E.g. lobbying. (laughs) Lobbying. You know, O-B-B. Lobbying. And when you think about it, do we transfer any money to uh, anybody? No. And that's going to be interesting because when I have several million listeners, is that not a benefit to the elected official who's on? Well, if that were the case, you have to take all of media. I'm talking about... You know, that companies cannot send representatives on trips. They can't uh, pay them benefits. They can't uh, put their kids through school. I don't know if they do that or not. You know, it's like college uh, scholarships, you know, where the recruiters used to offer. uh, They probably still do. Kids, you know, ridiculous benefits to to play football for their college. Okay. Uh, That's been regulated. Well, we've got to start regulating the lobbyists. They can't give money. They can't give trips. They can sit down and talk to people about the issues. I mean, that's what we do. But there's no way these people should be able to give money or any kind of uh, campaign contribution. See, I would, I would completely separate campaign contributions uh, from politicians. Now, now uh, the free speech aspect still has to be honored, right? So here's what, here's what I'm thinking. You guys can tell me what you think of this, that a, a corporation, a lobby, a special interest group can spend all the money they want on behalf of a politician. Now, that's still going to buy influence, but uh, you know, that's, that's kind of the way it goes. Uh, then you go on the strength of the ideas, But they can't give any money to a politician. No trips. No no funding. No tickets to the shows. No junkets. No special meetings. No events. No nothing. The politician wants to go. They got to pay their own way. Fully. Airline tickets, restaurants, hotels, everything. All right. Um, If if you're lobbying them on on legislation, you know, of course they'll say, oh no, we're just we're just getting to know each other. Yeah, right. Anyway, you get the idea. But if we can take the money in politics, that's going to help us out too. Uh, or we just get really strong at Action Radio and say, look, you, know, you, can, you can take all their money or you can uh, you know, uh, get votes from We the People. What do you think is going to be the stronger argument? Hopefully, We the People. So here we go. So this is the important point to remember, is that, this is the article, is that the origination of the entire process is external to Congress. So nothing about legislation happens in Congress. Well, we're external to Congress too. Why do you think I don't run for office? It's because of the system, because I realized the only way I'm going to have influence on Congress is to not be in it, because then I'd be subservient to the party and subservient to the donors, and uh, and I don't want to be that person. I can't. I can't do what I do, honestly, if I'm that person. I mind the people to do, (laughs) the few people in Congress that are decent, but uh, for the most part, no. no. No, this is a better way for me. All right. Congress does not write the laws, legislation, special interests do. Lobbyists are paid, some very well paid, to get politicians to go along with the need of the legislative group. So let's go back. we get more in this article. We've got a few minutes left. I'll see how much I can get through. Uh, and then Jonathan has a bunch of really cool topics to talk about, which is going to be fun. Anyway, it says, when you are voting for a congressional rep or a U.S. senator, you are not voting for a person who will write laws. Your rep only votes on legislation to approve or disapprove of constructs that are written by outside groups and then sold to them through lobbyists who work for those outside groups. While all of this is happening, the same outside groups who write the laws are providing money for the campaigns of the politicians they need to pass them. This construct sets up a quid pro quo of influence, although much of it is fraught with plausible deniability. This is the way legislation is created. If your frame of reference is not established in this basic understanding, you can often fall into the trap of viewing a politician or political vote through a false prism. The modern origin of all legislative constructs is not with Congress. Here's a couple of quotes. We have to pass the bill to, well, find out what is in the bill. (laughs) Nancy Pelosi, 2009. And then Jonathan Gruber said, we rely upon the stupidity of the American voter. Well, guess what? We're trying to change that. Back to the article. Once you understand this process, you can understand how politicians get rich. When a House or Senate member becomes educated on the intent of the legislation, they have attended to the sales pitch, and when they find out the likelihood of support for that legislation, they can then position their own or their family's financial interests to benefit from the consequence of passage. It is a process similar to insider trading on Wall Street, except the trading is based on knowing who will benefit from a legislative passage. The legislative construct passes from K Street into the halls of Congress through congressional committees. The law originates from the committee to the full House or Senate committee seats, which vote uh, committee seats, which vote on these bills are therefore more valuable to the lobbyists. All right. Uh, Chairs of these committees are exponentially more valuable. This is why it's so important to be the chair of a committee, because then lobbyists are going to give you a lot of stuff. All right. Article says, now think about this this reality against the backdrop of the 2016 presidential election. Legislation is passed based on ideology. In the aftermath of the 2016 election, the system within D.C. was not structurally set up to receive a Donald Trump presidency. If Hillary Clinton had won the election, her Oval Office desk would be filled with legislation passed by Congress, which she would have been signing. Heck, she'd have writer's cramp from all the special interest legislation driven by special interest groups that supported her campaign that would be flowing to her desk. Why? Simply because the authors of the legislation, the originating special interest and lobbying groups, were spending millions to fund her campaign. Hillary Clinton would be signing k Street constructed special interest legislation to repay all of those donors and investors. Congress will be fast-tracking the passage because the same interest groups also fund the members of Congress. President Donald Trump, winning the election, threw a monkey wrench into the entire G.C. system. In early 2017, the modern legislative machine was frozen in place. This is why they hate Trump. Makes sense. He got in the way of their deals. This is why they can't stand him. It's not that he's a bad person. They say he's a bad person. He's not a bad person. He's a very good person. He's one of the best presidents we've ever had. But he got in the way of the system. He interrupted this arrangement, this agreement between the corporations, the special interest groups, the billionaires, the, the, the wacko you know, political groups out there, uh, their lobbyists, and, and members of Congress. He got in their way. Here we go. Back to the article the America first policies represented by candidate Donald Trump were not within the legislative constructs coming from the K street authors of the legislation. There were no MAGA lobbyists waiting on Trump ideology to advance legislation based on America first principles. Well, au contraire, there are now, (laughs) you know, action radio is here folks. Okay. It started March 1st of 2017. So I need to talk to this, this author, see if he'll, he'll cover us. We are exactly what this person is talking about. We are the MAGA lobbyists, who hopefully will be connected with the Trump campaign for 2024, giving them citizen legislation uh, based on America first principles of freedom for everybody. That is exactly what I want to do with this. Couldn't have said it better. This article couldn't have said it better. That's what I'm trying to do. Seriously, come join us. You want to help? Share our show. Share our show with everybody you know. Tell them to share the show with everybody they know. Get us on the news. Get our bills on the news, okay? Every reporter that, that you have contact with, you can talk to and say every, show that you, every talk show you listen to, everything, you know, every media company, tell them, tell them that you've got an action radio bill that needs publicity that has to get in the national debate. Tell them. You know, text Jesse Waters. Jesse Waters reads texts, okay? If, if, if uh, you know, 25,000 of you send Jesse Waters a text on vaccine product liability, he's going to notice and they will get on the news. You have the power to do this. You're just not doing it. Okay. You're not sharing the show. You're not sharing the bills. I know you're not because we're not on the national news. If you were, we'd be on the national news like yesterday, like you know, three years ago. Hope you take it up. Back to the article. As a result of an empty feeder system in early 2017, Congress had no bills to advance because all of the myriad of bills and briefs written were not in line with President Trump policy. There was simply no entity within D.C. writing legislation that was in line with President Trump's America First economic and foreign policy agenda. Hmm. Again, action radio. Exactly the opposite was true. Back to the article. All of the D.C. legislative briefs and constructs were are antithetical to Trump policy. There were hundreds of file boxes filled with thousands of legislative contracts, constructs that became worthless when Donald Trump won the election. (laughs) This is why we need him back, right? Those legislative contracts or briefs representing tens of millions of dollars worth of time and influence were just sitting there piled up in boxes, under desks, and in closets amid K Street and the congressional offices. Legislation needed to be in line with an entire new political perspective, and there was no one, no special interest or lobbying group currently occupying a D.C. office space with any interest in synergy with Trump policy. Oh, by the way, yes, I would open up an action radio branch in D.C. in a second. You give me two lobbyists, two lobbyists. To start with, two lobbyists. Two lobbyists that want to take citizen legislation of Congress, and I guarantee you we'll have access. And who knows? We may have an office on uh, uh, on K Street one day, or actually a radio studio. And so broadcasting directly from, you know, uh, 4 Action Radio in Washington, D.C., our D.C. lobbyists. That's how we should do it. That's exactly how we should do it. Now that's called in. I'm going to get him. Uh, um, uh, we got, we got six minutes left. I want to finish this article. Jonathan, if you want to listen in, that, that's fine. But since you, you popped on the air right now, I wanted to take your, take your call right away. I'm having a fascinating time. with. The I think I'm almost done. We'll find out in just a minute. Yep, I think I'm almost done. Good morning, sir. How are you doing? Do you have a comment so far, or do you want to hang back for about five minutes? No, I'm just trying to catch up with you guys. Okay. In that case, let me finish this pickle, and I'll, I'll give you a quick summary. Uh, when we, when they, uh, as soon as I'm done here. Anyway, so back to, your, well, let me, uh, well, I'll just finish the article, then I'll tell you where it's from. It says, those legislative constructs or briefs representing tens of millions of dollars worth of time and influence. Oh, I think I read that. Okay. Think about the larger ramifications within that truism. That is also why there, was no, there is so much opposition. No legislation provided by outside interests means no work for lobbyists who sell it. No work means no money. No money means no expense accounts. No expenses means politicians paying for their own indulgences. Politicians were not happy without their indulgences, but the issue was actually bigger. No K Street expenditures also means no personal benefit and no opportunity to advance financial benefit insider trading system. Without the ability to position personal wealth for benefit, why would a politician stay in office? the income of many long-term politicians on both Republican and Democrat sides of the aisle was completely disrupted by President Trump winning the election. That is one of the key reasons why so many politicians retired immediately thereafter. Now, there's more of the article here. We're almost done. When we understand the business of D.C., we understand the difference between legislation with a traditional purpose and modern legislation with a financial and political agenda. Lastly, this is why when signing legislation, President Trump often says, They've been trying to get this through for a long time. Most of the legislation passed by Congress and signed by President Trump in his first term is older legislative proposals with little indulgent value that were shelved in years past. Example, criminal justice reform did not carry a financial benefit to the legislative bodies, and there was no financial interest funding the politicians to pass the bill. If you look at most of the bills President Trump has signed, with the exception of a few economic bills, they stem from congressional construction many years, even decades ago. All right, so let me give you this article. You just got the tail end of it, but if you can catch the, uh, uh, the podcast this first hour, this has been fascinating. It's called Not a Single Person in Congress Actually Writes Legislation or Laws. It's all subbed out to K Street. It was written April 29, 2020. Uh, it, was, it, it appeared in the IWB. It's under Investment Watch, and the author is Sundance. So this person is so you know, internal in this process, they couldn't even put their name on it. But it summarizes how, all the evils of legislation, how it comes from the special interests, the NGOs, the, the George Sorrises and Bill Gates, the corporations like Big Pharma. They hire the lobbyists. The lobbyists write the bills. The bills are sold to Congress in exchange for benefits, junkets, campaign contributions, etc. So they sell the bills to Congress. Congress doesn't read them, they don't write them, they just pass them, uh, and then the reason they do that is because of the financial interest, not only in the campaigns, but in the things I just talked about, you know, the insider training, the ability to get rich, and all the other things, which are the reasons most of them are there anyway. It's a fascinating article. And you know this stuff, because you're there. You see this, you've you seen this firsthand. Anyway, that's what I've been talking about. Oh, he's busy in the meeting. Jonathan, is still alive. Let I me mean, mute you for a second while you're, you're thinking. <laughs> we'll come back to them. Uh, yeah, it, people forget sometimes they're live. So mute yourself if you're, uh, uh, and just in the interest of protecting, you know, our, our callers and reporters, that I, I mute people just because, just because. When, if something gets in the podcast that shouldn't be in the podcast, I have to delete the whole podcast. i have only going to do that once, uh, and I don't want to do it again, because I couldn't repeat that first hour if I tried. It would never be the same. Anyway, so just to, let me see if, if he's live now. And, Jonathan, are you back with us? Jonathan?
2: Yeah, uh, my, my phone does tend to just
1: well, I, I, I heard background noise. I, I didn't want to get something on the air. Anyway, I've, I had an idea for a bill this weekend, and then we can get into your stuff. My idea for, for the bill um, was that whenever a bill goes to Congress, all these folks that I just talked about, the lawyers, the lobbyists, even the grant writers, the, the funders, the, the, uh, anybody that has anything to do with legislation and the creation of it, the corporations, the departments, the people, everybody, all that stuff needs to be on the bill. In full disclosure, we need to know where these bills are coming from, and I think that would make a huge difference uh, in terms of how people feel about it. What, what do I have here? Uh, anybody who participated? Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead, Jonathan. No, I think that's very interesting. I mean, when you file an appeal mm-hmm.
2: in uh, in court, there's an ob- there there is an obligation to disclose any interest that, that any parties Ooh. might have, Ooh. so that the judge can so decide whether or not the judge. Might have a conflict of interest that, that isn't immediately obvious, and that is a long-standing rule in the courts that anyone you know anyone who might be affected by this, um, ha- they they have to be disclosed or their parent
1: company or anything like that. Well, we need a clause like that in the bill then. Um, put put in bill. I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing around my microphone, which is never a good idea. <laughs> right, but it's like. <clears throat> I, I, there's this book
2: called um, Soviet, the Soviet Mafia, by Arkady Vaksberg, huh. and I, and it's very dense reading, but it's, but I, I was reading it because for after research for my spine novel, and you know I thought it was about the the mafia within the Soviet system, but in fact it was a journalist writing that the entire system was the mafia,
3: hmm.
2: and what what you're describing sounds awfully. Uh, You know, familiar along those lines. That that you know, when the entire system becomes a shakedown, Mm -hmm. you know, a mafia. You know, it's really it's really bad.
1: Well, that was the part that fascinated me when I'm reading this article, and it was talking about how Trump totally disrupted it. So the the way that commerce works in Washington, that uh, the article describes lobbyists uh, as a business. They've got a business model, and I was relating to the audience about it seems to me that writing the bills is like manufacturing, you know, getting the Congress the transportation. Uh, advertising is like selling the bill to Congress, you know, and then purchasing, you know, uh, the bills through campaign contributions is, is how Congress pays, you know, for their bills, and they, they or the lobbies pay for the bills to members of Congress in return for, you know, passing those bills. Well, that to me is commerce. That's not free speech. I have a bill on that, too, which I've talked about earlier. What I didn't know was the extent to which Trump came in and said, no, we're not going to do this anymore. So he didn't sign all the bills. But they talked about how Hillary would have signed all the special interest bills. And so uh, it, it was a fascinating thing that, that Trump really disrupted that process and that his bills, you know, his bills on uh, foreign policy and uh, budget and uh, energy had nothing to do with the special interests. And what I was saying was the article says, there's no, there's no, you know, there's no we the people there. There's no interest in Congress. There's nobody writing bills that Trump would sign. And to which I'm screaming into the microphone, uh, yeah, there is. <laughs> there is now, not when this article is written. But this is the whole reason I want to get associated with the Trump campaign and, and have them take a serious look and run on our citizen legislation because we are writing those bills. We are writing bills that include the freedom of everybody. We are writing bills as they're supposed to be written, you know, without special benefit, uh, with freedom for all, with the equal protection as, as per, per the 14th Amendment. So I want to get this person on the line and say, hey, look, you know, uh, Everything that you wanted to happen, it's already happening. You just don't know about it yet. Let's see if I can find Sundance and and get him on the show. Probably as Sundance, probably as an anonymous person, probably some deep government, you know, former employee or former member of of Congress, you know, former lobbyist, too, who says, wait a minute, this is what's really going on. This is like a whistleblower article. It's really fascinating. Anyway, back to you.
2: Right. Well, um, at some point, people have to wonder whether the – you know, whether the the exploitation of this of the system is an exception or the rule or whether it is the it is the system. Um and you know, what you're describing, what people are saying, you start to wonder is uh you know, like they say, is it a feature or a bug that the that the US tax taxpayers is used as a you know, as a trough. To uh, to skim off of, is that is that an occasional um, diversion or is that the norm? Is that the, the, the you know the the functional purpose these days of the U.S. government? Yeah. Um, and we have to we have to wonder. But yeah, no, it's it's good. Um, and you do have to write things carefully, because You know, they the problem with I mean, the problem with a lot of legislation is the devil is in the details.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: So, um, you know, like I'm at the end of, you know, usually the government is trying to come up with some absurd interpretation of some (laughs) section of a a statute. And, you know, we're trying to argue, well, surely that's not what Congress meant. Mm -hmm. But if you, you know, if it's slipped in by a staffer and nobody really pays attention to it, Mm-hmm. You know, there's some little there's some little detail in you know in sub paragraph G of you know section 1037. Um, it's still the law, mm-hmm. just as much as if you know it was you know clearly intended. And of course, we we all know by now the scam that the name of the the, the, the you know if 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 you look at the name of a bill that Congress passes, you can be pretty sure it does the opposite of what mm-hmm. the, of what the uh, the title says, um, you know, so, um, you know, so a bill, I've always joked, a bill to suspend the U.S. Constitution and impose a
1: dictatorship will be called the Warm Fuzzy Puppies Act. If, if that, <laughs> it, it'd be called the Benevolent well, Freedom Pretty Act. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I was thinking that. Exa- the, yeah, who uh, could possibly be against that? Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's it's so it's so crazy, but the, the way all this is going, and these folks don't read the bills, they don't write the bills, and it, it's it's sobering to think. And I mentioned this uh, in the first hour that you, me, and and the folks here at Action Radio have written more bills than all the members of Congress since about 1995, or whatever it was for, let Let's say 94. Uh, that we are actually writing bills, and our names go on the bills. Do so you know exactly who wrote them? You know, we don't have a budget really. I mean, people just sit at their their keyboard. And, and type these things out. So it's personal time and research and the, the electric bill and the, and the cost of the computer and the software. And that's it. <laughs> you know, and the Wi-Fi. you know, or the internet. Yeah. Uh, but yet these other folks and, are spending millions of when dollars. And when most
2: members of Congress, mm-hmm. when most members of Congress write a bill, they scratch out an idea and then they send it to the legislative services office. I forget what it's called in, in Congress, but, but I know mm-hmm. in Virginia, I mean, I've had okay. two bills, um, passed into law as in the virginia general assembly
3: hmm. and
2: they have an office that you know we don't we don't have somebody to draft it up in legal language and perfect it and everything like that the member of congress just sends it down this mail yep. and,
1: and, and has
2: some some okay. some office write it up in, in language we don't we don't have that
1: do you know what's surprising though is that when, as I read the laws, the actual laws themselves, a lot of them aren't that technical. They're not specifically really wild legal language. What's confusing is when they say this, this uh, part, you know, you know, 29-B6 coincides with 39-A4. With, uh, you know, and it's the citations where they bounce you around. That's what's confusing to me. But the actual language—you look at the language of of uh, people say, "We've got to fix Section Two Hundred and Thirty. We've got to fix the Communications Decency Act. We have to fix Title Forty-Two. It's a huge problem. We need to study. We need, you know, regulatory agencies. We need antitrust." And I looked at it's it was, it was four freaking lines of law. It was it. It was a Good Samaritan clause. You know, Congress, if they act in good or, or big tech, if they act in good faith, or they say providers of internet services of uh, of interactive uh, internet services, <laughs> you know, if they act in good faith, uh, then it's okay. As long as they act in good faith um, to remove anything that they find objectionable, that's okay. Well, that's not a hard thing to to read and understand. It's certainly not a hard thing to change. Basically, I said it's not okay, and I said their their liability immunity well, from what uh, from what we post is conditional on them uh, not touching it, and that's really the whole like, bill.
2: Usually. The- usually the trouble is in the open-ended clause. They'll say, you know, if you, if you, um, if you staple, spindle, you know, or tear um, or otherwise disrespect a flag, like, you uh-huh, know, exactly. I can't think of a good example. It's, mm-hmm. it's usually the open-ended clause that, that's the, you know, the, the, the fertile ground for abuse. Um, like with the Oathkeepers Keeper's case, now what we're, you know we're dealing dealing with in the January 6th cases in general is this idea there there's a stat there's a set of statutes a very complex i mean very comprehensive list of statutes that everybody agrees came out of the Sar, the Enron scandal and and the Arthur Anderson accounting firm scandal um and part of Sarbanes-Oxley it was clearly about destroying documents and um you know, d- obstruction of, of of the proceedings by remove you know by just dis- by destroying evidence or by intimidating mm-hmm. witnesses or influencing w- witnesses or things like that, and yet the, the statute says or otherwise corruptly obstructs a, um, an official proceeding. Mm-hmm. So the court that the government and the courts have taken is to mean otherwise, to mean whatever. And you know, and the you know the, the, the real um, rule is supposed to be, is that it has to be in line with the with the specified list. It's like if if you have a whole bunch of lists and then you say or otherwise, then then it has to be similar to the to the to the named
3: items.
1: Well, see, so this is the, um, I with, the so. with the communications bill. You know, if something is otherwise objectionable, or I wrote a bill, the parental rights bill that I wrote for uh, the Florida Legislature in the special session last year, I looked through all the, what was the current parental rights bill, and it kept saying this phrase: "or as according to law, or as prescribed by the legislature." So you have the right to this. You have the right to prevent say, uh, parental notification, for example, if your kid, you know, is going to be uh, taken to a doctor, you know, they say, or unless as provided by law. You know, in other words, there's some kind of, you know, for yeah. court, dis- disgusting thing like that. So they all have that disclosure. They always had that little, it's like the escape clause. And, and that's the biggest problem. Yeah. You know, wh- big tech can find anything otherwise objectionable. You know, look at Twitter. If well, you didn't that's, comply that's with the, the, yeah. the Human Rights Declaration of the UN, they would object to it and they would take you off. That's the problem.
2: Right. By whose point of view is it objectionable? The, the, those are the kinds of things where you have to watch out for badly written legislation. Um, and, um, uh, oh, I forgot what, what I was just going to say. So it's, it's, you know, from, from who's point, it's like, it's be like having a speed limit that says it shall be a fine. You, you, you should be fined for going over the posted speed limit. Or if the, if the police officer, you know, rolls a Dungeons and Dragons dice <laughs> from one to a hundred, um, and you exceed that, uh, that limit, um, you know, that's the kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, that, that's where it's like you got to watch for those, those massive, massively dangerous, um, things. So, so anyway, I wanted to, um, you know, I've been, I've been, been looking at some of this stuff, by the way, in the Oath Keepers trial mm-hmm. on Friday for about, well, about a quarter of the day, um, uh, Stuart Rhodes took the, the, the stand in his own defense waiving his fifth amendment rights I, I anticipate that all of the five defendants in this group will testify even though they don't have to um hmm. and of course he was magnificent i mean if it, it gave me hope for the first time that uh, these people might be found not guilty not because of the work of the of their lawyers there but because um he's you know he's just he's just I don't. I not want to say too much until after the trial, but he was just like it was like the you know the Michelangelo of. Uh, were
1: you, were uh, you at the
4: trial?
2: Were, were you there?
1: The
4: I,
2: I, uh, for a variety yeah. of reasons, if I go there, it will be disruptive.
1: Right. Is, um, no, well, the reason I'm asking but, is, is what's the source? Is it public? Can we see a video of this? Is there any record of it, or is it still confidential? Court no video.
2: Stuff? I mean, there will be a transcript at some point, but okay. But um, the, the 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 court has said they don't want other witnesses to be influenced by someone's testimony. So they've, they've done it, but, but a lot of journalists are in the overflow room and they are, um, um, tweeting it. Some of them are better than others. Some, some are almost, there's about two people who are almost like transcripts. You know, they're almost like court reporters. They're so, they're so precise. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, but, but the thing is, I also, in reading the, the notes, I know him. I've heard him speak. I was there when he spoke in front of the, you know, he testified in front of the select committee. Um And I was, uh you know, I was helping him then. And so he is just, you know, I, I can say he is just magnificent. And Kelly Maggs is
1: too. So I think... Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I've, I've tried to get his comments. Remember the ones that he made on the on the show here from the Oklahoma Federal Prison. Uh, I've I have. I have friends. You know, so I've tried to talk to my friends to get it to uh, Peter Navarro to get it to uh, Donald Trump because he made a specific <laughs> you know message for Trump. And so hopefully that has been done. I, I'll, I'll, I'll check on that. But uh, you know, that's the kind of these are the kind of people we're talking to now. It's, it's really quite fascinating. But Stewart was was fabulous, and see, he's got truth on his side. You know, these, the, yes, all these government exactly. people, as, as much as they, they have power, they have guns. I mean, they can break your door down and take you away, but they don't have truth. They have no basis for what they're That's doing right. and they know it. They're empty. Their, their souls are empty. They can't you know, they may wow. they may go home and say, yes, I made my salary today. And yes, I made my pension. And well, yeah, I suppose I had to, you know, totally trash the Constitution because, you know, I was just following orders. But they, they can't they can't feel good about it. Unless they're, you know, like in the Soviet
2: in the Soviet era, and um, Stewart is fond of quoting Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Mm -hmm. uh, but he, um, you know, the Soviet dissidents uh, spoke of the gray men. Like you say, the 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 bureaucrats, the apparatchiks, who basically had no soul, Mm or who had given up their soul, They, they they were called the gray men. That's why in the magnificent movie, The Russia House, um, the uh, whistleblowing uh, nuclear physicist tells Barley Blair, you're very gray today. You're you're being very gray. You know, real politics. Yeah.
1: Hey, but let me, but anyway, so we have. No, I want, to take, I want to take a call real quickly before we get into the next topic because uh, this I'm, I was like looking for a break. We have got Kyle on uh, California hasn't talked to us for a while, so let's bring him on right now. Kyle, you been listening? You got a question I, for us? Comment or uh, uh, we might briefly consider another issue, but I want to let Jonathan talk about his stuff because uh, he's got a bunch of topics today. Good morning, sir. Welcome back.
5: All is good just here in California. more more as a voice. If you got any questions about Goofyville.
1: Oh, California? Well, actually, I'm, I'm hoping to get, you know, like a regular West Coast report, so I might be uh, talking to you about something like that. But, um, yeah, Jonathan, do you want to do, find out what's in California or do you want to go back to your topics? I know you got a bunch you want to do. And, Kyle, you can comment on those as we go through.
5: Nope. He wants guy? a break. He's, grab, he's grabbing a, a drink.
1: <laughs> All right. So, so give me the biggest headline in, in California, and then I'll get Jonathan right back. Oh, right. I was on oh. can... mute. Oh, well, I'm, I'm in the yeah. various things. Okay, let's just get, one, let's get a quick uh, comment from Kyle, because we'll he's got January 6th stuff. He's got other stuff. we got election stuff. Kyle, stick around. This is going to be fun. Um, so, All is so, good. I'll
5: try to stick around as long as I can. The only thing I, I you know, I'm, I'm, my head is spinning trying to think of one thing in California to bring to the attention. I guess the thing that I've been asking people to think about the most is how come Florida's paying around $3 a gallon and we're paying $7 to $8 a gallon for gas? And I did find some little bit of, Actual facts to this that doesn't justify the gap, but I think you'd appreciate this guy Uh that's worked for Chevron forever You guys get what they call simple crude or good easy gas to deal Mm -hmm. with California gets complex crude, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't justify seven and eight dollars
1: Well, what did well they're trying to get rid of your cars anyway? It's the same reason you have car inspections where if uh, you know the cars have to pass the same standards as when they were new which was tough for me when I drove a 1987 Toyota Tercel uh, with a carburetor, and they're trying to get rid of all carbureted <laughs> engines. So, so they seriously now they use social. I actually got it to pass, you know, a few times, which is kind of interesting. Um, but that's how they uh, that's how they work it. The biggest problem in California, I'll tell you real simply, uh, is the refineries and the fact that California has a special formula of gasoline. You cannot buy gasoline from out of state. You can only buy gasoline made at these three refineries, one of which is usually down for maintenance and another which, uh, and if another one breaks down for any reason or shuts down as a precaution, you're stuck with one refinery. That's why your gasoline is so expensive. It's simply supply and demand that California has outlawed supply from anywhere else in the country or anywhere else in the world for that matter, except California refineries because you've got your special additives because you people are special. And because you're special, that's why you're paying 7 to $8 a gallon.
5: Well, now, the the interesting point of this, and I talked to another guy the other day about it, the interesting thing is our air is a lot cleaner these days, but I found out it's not because of all the things that you're thinking about or we're talking about. Do you you know why, from what we're gathering, why air in California is getting better
1: what, the, the, the winds have changed or something, or, or there's different atmospheric no, phenomena? No, it's actually,
5: we, and I can't confirm this, but I believe it to be true. You know the old Sinatra saying, the coldest summer is a winter in San Francisco, or vice versa?
3: Uh-huh.
5: Well, all that the was people Mark Twain, in, by the way. Uh, right, Mark Twain, Frank Sinatra sang it, get it. So anyway, from San Francisco down to wherever, south, they used to burn fires in the summer because it was cold. So that smoke from their fires would go up and blow into our valley. Well, they're not allowing the coastal areas to burn fires anymore. So that's one of the main reasons California's air is clean, clearing up.
1: That's interesting. Uh, I I, I want to talk more about that because I'm kind of curious because the, the way it works is the, the pollution that's generated, especially in Los Angeles, comes off. the wind comes off the ocean and it blows everything right into the San Gabriel Mountains where it stops. <laughs> That's why you have such a – you have a bowl there. Anyway, let me get this to Jonathan because I know he had said – I don't know if Jonathan wants to take it up. Well, here's a question for you, Jonathan. Uh, Can one state do that? Can they change the formula of a major product so badly that no other products can come in? Is that not a restraint of trade? And could Congress, with their powers of interstate commerce, which they usually use to screw our life up like – you know, daylight saving time. Um, can they use that to say California? No, you can't do that. Uh, in the interest of interstate commerce, you have to take gasoline from, from other producers in the country to lower the price.
2: Well, well, well Greg, let, let me ask you a, a question about that. that does the okay. end result benefit conservatives or does it benefit liberals? <laughs> um, I, we have to know, I mean, because basically there's something called the dormant interstate commerce clause. You know the the uh, the, inter, the interstate commerce clause is the is the authority under the constitution claimed for about ninety percent of the junk that the U.S. government gets its sticks its nose into,
1: like the um, CDC the for one thing, <laughs> which I found out. CDC gets their power from the commerce clause. There's no public health clause, right? And, <laughs> so, and yeah. so
2: there's there's a there's a doctrine called the dormant commerce inter, the commerce clause, meaning that if if one state interferes in exactly the way you said into the interstate system. I mean, one, one of the rules that the Congress has, and I know not everybody wants to hear this, but the courts have determined is that we are one country, which therefore implies one economic zone and it implies the right to travel, the constitutional right to travel because it's not separate countries. And and mm-hmm. so if somebody were to, you know, if, if, if someone tries to, to interfere with Congress's prerogative, to regulate interstate commerce, it, it, mm-hmm. it could be seen as, as, um, as violating <clears throat> the interstate commerce clause in, in a negative way. But of course it's, it's one of those things that to, you know, is so subjective that it completely depends upon how you look at it and when you look at it and um, you know, and whether, you know, whether they have a, they have the guts to say. It. So, but, but the thing is, of course, <clears throat> like you say, the, California being so so big and that's what they're trying to do with cars I mean the the liberals know this they know that if they can um, if they can get you know things they cannot regulate nationwide if they can Mm -hmm. make it uneconomical for other states to do differently they try to do this with textbooks for you know they um, various features of cars all kinds of things uh, so, so, I mean, this is a real problem is that, is that if, um, of course, I, I don't know that, I think what you're saying is that it might not be entirely true where it, where refineries are, are, regional. So if, if someone, if a company can provide one kind of gas for California and a different kind of gas in New Hampshire, it might act not actually work, but they can, but they, but that's what they... Five, that I don't and know and they're quite, you
1: know, yeah, that's a good question. Can, uh, can Arizona or, or refine, you know, California gasoline, for example? I don't know. Can Texas refine a special blend and send it to California? I don't think so. But I could be wrong. So Kyle, if you, if you want to, uh, you know, get back to us on that, can you buy uh, gas? See, the rest of the country can all buy the same gasoline. This is the funny part about it, is that uh, Texas can sell gasoline everywhere. Pennsylvania can sell it uh, because no other state has this kind of special formula. It's the formula. It's the additives, It's the things that, it's not the gasoline itself. It's all the crap you put in it. You know, the, the, remember, um, what was that, uh, methyl something or other? What was it? MTBE. Remember that? That special additive? Metal, methyl tertiary butyl ethylene that was killing all those people and running off into the farmland. It was, it was a gasoline additive in California back in the, uh, I think uh, the 90s, either 80s or 90s. I remember KGO was, was huge on that, uh, trying to get MTB out of the gasoline. But that's what they do. They mess around with the formula. You have a summer blend. You've got a winter blend. You've got ethanol. You've got all this different stuff in there that has nothing to do with gasoline. Anyway, it's interesting right. topic. If you, can, if you want to get back to us on it, I'd be, I'd be fascinated to find out if you can learn more about that's
5: it. That's not my cup of tea, my brother. I don't, I'm not an investigative reporter. I appreciate that, though.
1: I'll do it. Jonathan, let's get back to you then and you, a couple of articles, things you want to talk about the Florida Supreme Court and also this whole concept of uh, the, the Democrats are running around saying, if you don't vote for us it's the death of democracy what kind of arrogant evil do these people <laughs> you know, well, do? This is business. where I, 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 <laughs> I tried
2: to find this article again and it was, it was sort of vaguely related but it just happened to have the photograph of, you, you know when they had like young Photographs of young Elvis and fat Elvis and old Elvis. So there, there's there's the there's a photograph of Hitler where he's you know he looks like hell young Hitler and he's like what
1: <laughs> <Yes>. young Hitler?
2: <laughs> no, well, that, I, mean, I mean the one the one where where he's a you know he comes out of the bunker to say hello to, to like the what do they call the Hitler Youth and then he goes oh, into, okay. the, into the bunker and he's never seen again alive. Right. You know, it's like it's like when, you know, like he he looks. I mean, he looks like he's already dead. Yeah. Um. And and it just made me think that the media and the Democrats are like Hitler in the bunker, issuing orders to armies that don't exist. I mean, they're saying they're telling people like now that we're you know on gas, they're saying that oh no, gas is not more expensive. And 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 the voters saying, I'm looking at the price on the pump right now. What do you mean? It's not, you know, the thing, saying the, the price of gas has gone down. Like, wait a minute, I'm looking. I'm, I just paid for it <laughs> out of my own pocket. What the hell are you talking about? Did and and on this, you know, I just here here's my receipt from the grocery yeah. store.
3: Yeah.
2: Um. You know, and so they're they're, but they're they're going from a day where people actually believed the news media. You know, right. people don't believe the news. I mean, they they they're issuing their propaganda as if anybody believes them anymore.
1: And, this is staggering um, to me. When, I, when they I say just, that there's no inflation, or they say that we've reduced inflation, of course we're looking at the prices go up and everything. Yeah, you know, and they say it's not their fault; it's Putin's fault. They lie. Are they trying to convince themselves of their lies, or are they trying to convince us? Because they're not convincing us. I, I don't even know if they're convincing. I don't themselves. know, but
2: I, I think it's. I think that they. I think that if they are accustomed, I mean, I think it tells us a lot about how much things have changed. Okay. I assume that that they that what they mean is is that there was a time when there was, you know, and, and a lot of young people may not be able to relate to this at all. Mm-hmm. There was ABC, CBS, NBC. There was NPR radio, and it was radio. There was no Internet.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, then CNN was coming along, and then a little bit later Fox News was coming but they were just tiny entrances, tiny, you know, tiny participants. Uh, there was uh, the Turner Broadcast Network had a precursor to CNN, um, so, you know, they would get up there and Dan Rather, I mean, I mean, excuse me, Walter Cronkite would say, that's the way it is.
1: Mm-hmm. And they, the they still
4: is. think
2: that they, they, you know, this is blah, 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 date. And this, that's the way it is. Yep. And um, they, I, I believe they still think that if they say something, that it matters. And that yeah. they cannot understand they don't matter. Yeah. They don't count they're not relevant and you know it's and um you know it's like you know like uh um Paul Ryan is trying to tell us who who would be a good candidate <laughs> for president in 2024 well, that's nobody a great point. cares about what Paul Ryan I mean says, well, you, you, we don't care about what Paul Ryan thinks well, Paul Ryan's um, we,
1: you know, uh, uh, that's interesting case study because Kevin McCarthy is, you know, is is and no one's questioning the fact that he's the he's the heir apparent. Uh, he's he's going to get the coronation to be speaker if the Republicans win. Now He's from Bakersfield. That's, that's Kyle's neck of the woods out there in California. You know, and this guy is every bit as bad as Paul Ryan. I'm scared to death that he's going to do exactly what Paul Ryan did. He's already surrendered to the Democrats. He's always said no investigations. No, you know, no impeachment, no nothing. You know, he says, "Well, he's going to appoint, uh, you know, appoint Jim Jordan head of judiciary to look into it." But I guarantee you, those investigations aren't going to go anywhere. Well, they, they, they'd better.
2: I mean, because this well, is this is what happens. Is we every single, I mean, this is pretty much exactly. We work hard to get the Republicans into office, like in 1994, and um, you know, two 2014, well, worked, and everything like that. Yeah. And then and then the Republicans behave like Democrats. And we vote them out again. It's like, you know, in 2016, the American people fired the Republican Party, mostly Mm -hmm. the Republicans themselves. says, to hell with you. Um, And they keep doing it. So they better not
1: do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me um, let me bring Kyle back in here. I'm gonna bring Kyle back for a second. Do you have any insights on Kevin McCarthy? Because he's been in California for for a long time. Do you see any evidence at all that he loves his country? That he's America first? That he's not going to be the ultimate deep state person? You know, because every time I've seen pictures of him. You know, he's beside Mitch McConnell looking, you know, adoringly onto him, saying, oh, boy, I can't wait to, uh, you know, have my shot at power. You know, it's, it's fascinating to – he's right there. I mean, he's, he's, the, he's the heir apparent, and the Republicans do this. They pick the deep state operative to make sure that nothing good comes out of the Republican Party the deep state's maintained. Do you have any insights on him, Kyle? I'm just curious.
5: I don't, but it reminds me – I don't. And he, you're right. I mean, the guy plays the part, looks the part, and, you know. So we keep believing the part, and I think he's comical. And but I will remind the listeners that uh, when Trump came to Washington D.C., just a little distraction, but not big. He, you know, he had what? You can tell me what five, ten percent of Washington D.C. that was probably logical, honest, had integrity. So he had to hire his family to help him run Washington, D.C., because everybody around him was corrupt, left, right, just about yeah. everybody. And how many of us moved to Washington, D.C.? How many of us good people left our little place of comfort and went to help them? You know. So, I mean, whoever wins next time, because the gentleman speaking here, I can't remember his name here. Jonathan Mosley, yeah.
1: He's a legal reporter. Right?
5: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's dead on. The, we keep firing the Republicans. They keep turning to Democrats.
1: You know, yeah.
5: I, I call it a little something different, but it's probably too sassy for the show right now. <laughs> but he's right.
1: Well, no, and, we get the message.
5: Well, gelded. What, what gentleman? Who
1: who are you calling a you, gentleman? You. You. <laughs> exactly.
5: The, the gelded okay. party, which is the Republicans, are now gelded. I mean, so I just we all have to get into this. We all just have to. Well, it, actually, it's not all hmm. of us because what eight percent of the people fought off the British last time. So we don't all have to wake up. We just have to wake up one guy. And at this point, you know, you, tr- you can't try to wake up somebody that's a zombie. Find somebody that just a- needs a little push, get one neighbor, one buddy to wake up, and the 5% of us that get it right now will turn into 10%, and that's what we need to get our country back.
1: Sounds good. Jonathan, uh, do you have any insights on that? I think I interrupted you. You were talking about Paul Ryan uh, at first. He's on the Fox board of directors, which is why there's only t- like one or two people on Fox worth listening to. One of them, well, Tucker Carlson, and probably Laura Ingram, but the rest of them are all co-opted, you know, deep staters. I, I just want to quickly you say to this
5: gentleman: I just oh, want to yeah, quickly ahead. say that Paul Ryan is a joke, and everybody here knows that.
1: Yeah, I mean, he ran with Mitt Romney. What, what you know? What more do you need, Jonathan? Back to you. Then I got Pianka line.
5: But but the,
2: but the amazing thing is that these people. Who are who who pine for, you know, the old what they consider the old Republican Party, which was the aberration, um, uh, is they think they're relevant. I mean, they they just can't seem to get over the fact, you know, the play's over, or your part in the play is over. Get off the stage, go home. They just they they just incapable of comprehending the fact that nobody's listening to them hmm. and, and, and for good reason, because we did listen to them and, and they, they blew it. So, um, so the, the only other astonishing thing I think about all this, whether they're media or Republican, um, you know, uh, dinosaurs is, is that
1: they just don't get it.
2: Yeah. Uh, I, I just, i I'm
1: flummoxed by that. No, it is kind of staggering. In fact, that's one of the things I talked to Peter Navarro about. When, mm-hmm. uh, Kyle, we had Peter Navarro on the show about a month ago now, I think. It's fascinating. Um, but uh, yeah, he stayed like 40 minutes of the 15. He, he figured he'd be on. But we, we talked about the bills, and I asked him point blank. I said, you know, I'd, uh, I'd really like to have Action Radio involved with, uh, with the Trump campaign 2024 uh, and our citizen legislation. So uh, tune it up. I mean, he gets it. He's one of the few that, that really does get it. Trump gets it. Navarro gets it. You know, a few other people get it. Uh, and, but hopefully that, that, uh, that, that sort of vision will go. But I'm just, like I say, I, I've, I, McCarthy's going to be terrible. No one's even running against him. There's no one even talking about running against him. There's nobody even questioning, you know, whether he's not the best person there. And he is Paul Ryan, too. And they're just, they're, they're going to lose everything if they, if they try and be the, the same Republican Party yet again. Let's get Pianchi in the line here. Pianchi, what's, uh, what's your take on this?
4: Well, everybody's got a good, a good prognosis. Uh, okay. Conor, nothing that worked for him in a long time, so he he's used to it, so. Yeah. Well, I do think they need to go. They've been around too long. <clears throat> this thing about people being in Congress for 40 years
1: and so on and so on is just totally ridiculous. Yeah. See, that doesn't bother me if they're good people. I mean, Chuck Grassley's been around forever, and he's fabulous. You know, so I don't think it's the, 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 the length of time somebody's there. I think it's the, 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 the things that they've done. I want to get back to the, the, the Democrats' idea that uh, they're trying to push this now. Does any, Jonathan, is anybody buying this idea that um, they're trying to push that if you don't vote for Democrats, democracy itself is on the line? This election, you know, and, I think the, and then Tucker Carlson comes on and says, well, the election is democracy. I mean, the proof that the democracy no, is don't... just fine is the fact that we're having an election. You know, is it why? Why are they pushing that? What's what's this big deal? And what's the Hitler reference? And here's the well, let me ask you the big question in a minute. But what's what what do you think on on this whole, this whole line of reasoning? Then I got a question. Well,
2: I think they've got nothing else, obviously, but I don't know if they're buying it, if anybody's buying it. I mean, it's like Radio Talks your host, Chris Plant says every day is an IQ test. (laughs) And, you know, (laughs) if 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 the products of government schools are really that stupid, Mm -hmm. then then, but like you say, it's like if like if somebody says, "Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to participate in democracy because democracy is dead," you know, like <laughs> what what the hell? I mean, that, <laughs> that's a good um, point. But the thing, I mean, for example, the thing is, is that for as long as I've been politically aware, you know, as an adult, the the Democrats have been saying that the Republicans are going to cut Social Security, uh-huh. or they have talked about you know cuts to education. There's, there's never. I remember, I worked, for, you know, I've worked at the U.S. Department of Education. There are no cuts to education. There never have been. There are never going to be. Um, and yet, every, every election, we haven't seen it. The, you know, the, the, they went after Trump and Russia recently, but you know, every, every time they're trying to say that the Democrat, the Republicans are going to cut your Social Security. And of course, it never happens. At what point do people just laugh and say, "You've got to be kidding me"? You know, it's like a comedian. You know, you've got to come up with some new material. Um, I, I I don't know. I certainly hope – you know, if if anybody believes this stuff, then there's no hope for America. We're already gone.
1: Well, someone believes you know, it they're still voting for Democrats. I mean, unless the polls – I know the polls are wrong because they're skewed towards Democrats. But you've got like 30% of the people out there that – think that, that Trump should never be in office again. He should be arrested and should be in jail. He's so evil for bringing down the cost of energy, for getting us a good foreign policy, for making NATO pay their, pay their fair share, building a wall, stopping North Korea and all the other things he did, and, and taxing and, and tariffing China. Mm-hmm. And for, for all the good things he did, but they don't see that. All they hear is their, their propaganda. People, unfortunately, listen to the news that reinforce their, their lies and reinforce their misconceptions. Uh, and that's a huge problem. You know? And so most of, most well, of the they left, know. they're dedicated to do that. Was that Kyle?
4: Well, no, that's me.
1: Oh that's myself. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
4: Good morning to Jonathan and Kyle. But one of the things is, is a major concern is that you have people that are just plain ignorant. Uh, only issues. Well, like back the schools. And you're right, Jim uh, Republicans are supposed to have been pushing grandma and grandpa over the cliff in a wheelchair. But <laughs> a long time
0: ago. Yeah,
4: but yeah. the thing is is that uh, federal government has nothing to do with your local school district unless mm-hmm. you invite them in. And this deal about that they're going to cut uh, school funding, well, that wouldn't be on a federal level. It's on a local level, and a state level. And uh, people just don't think about it. They want to associate that with Donald Trump.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I've got I got a question for all of you. Actually, I want to start with Jonathan though. This uh, the one thing that would would stop all this, you know, Hitler, Nazi, right wing, you know, white nationalism, Christian nationalism, all this other kind of stuff, is the fact that the Nazis were left wing, and this never gets discussed. And the GOP, which I've been calling the gelding old party for about a year now. Uh, the fact that they never discuss this, they never correct this lie. All, you know, there's one decent spokesperson from 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 conservativeville should get up and say it's very simple. The totalitarians are on the left. The anarchists are on the right. Hitler, Nazis, fascists, communists, socialists are all totalitarian governments that require total government control to implement their policies. The white supremacists were the Aryans. They were Nazis. They were leftists. They caused the Holocaust with big government. It's not the, the, the conservatives or, or even the anarchists that are causing that, you know, because they believe in less government. It takes total government to do the things that, uh, that, that Hitler did. That's what he had was a total government. And they never make that argument that all dictators are left-wing by definition. They never explain that to the American people. wouldn't take long. Jonathan?
2: Well, yeah, I, I don't know why anybody falls for it, but outside, Everybody, um, lots of people fall for it.
1: Every uh, time they say I, a right-wing you know, dictator, people say, is as they why, don't know such things,
2: yeah, you know, they're right-wing anarchists. Bominent yeah. okay. Republicans have called. You know who said that in Washington you have the evil party and you have the stupid party?
3: Yeah, you know, I read that article. Publican, Robert
1: Spencer. Yeah, yeah. he had a bigger, anyway. party. Yeah. Um
2: and um, you know why why we don't just push back? I I don't know. I guess it's like, you know, oh that would be rude to point out how they're wrong. Um, <gasps> you know, or I know. I, I don't get it. Yeah. I mean, there's so many things that that would be so easy mm-hmm. to to knock down that. That Republicans don't even
1: try. Yeah, they're effectively useless to me. I, I just don't, I don't understand anything about them. Uh, why they do what they do? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Great. Um, hey, am I on? Yeah, you're still on. Yeah.
5: Forty-two <laughs> percent. Just reminding your audience, forty-two percent of Americans are registered with the independent party. So, as your gentleman has been saying all this show, they are insignificant. The left and the right. The Democrats are about 30% or less. The Republicans are about 30% or less. The largest party in America by far is everybody else that's registered with one of the independent parties. So I think George Washington was right. One party, one fraternity, one sorority, whatever you want to call it. We all need to get together and work together. I think we're on that road, by the way. I think it's happening.
1: Yeah, see, I would I would actually outlaw parties for any member of of Congress or the state legislatures. I would say you cannot belong to a party because when you belong to a party, you represent your party. That's how you get your committee chairs. That's how you get your power. That's how you get your budgets. That's how you get bills to the floor. It's not done by party. So parties are the most. Okay, well then you're agreeing
5: with our founders, and that's one party, and that's the independent party. That's what I believe we're heading towards.
1: Well, it'd be nice. And it's, actually, that's a really interesting point, the fact that so many people are independent. The only reason I register a Republican is so I can vote in the primaries around here, because this is such a Republican area that all, all the good choices are on the Republican side. So I don't I don't I'm, I'm just trying to pick which Republican is going to beat the Democrat. You know, I mean, that's all I'm doing here. So and, so it's important for me. But I'll tell you what, you know, after now that I voted in this election, all right, we got background noise from somebody. Someone's on another other line or, or something. So you want to mute yourself when you're not uh, chatting to, to us directly here. Um. But as soon as you know probably next week or maybe even this week i'm going to un once I get the results I'm going to unregister as a Republican and either go independent or just take my my voter registration off completely, just unregister to vote and the reason for doing that is because the state of Florida shares personal information name, address, phone, birthday, party affiliation, email they share everything if you register to vote, something of unregistering until twenty twenty four
5: Cool. Can I just remind your uh, listeners the seven mm-hmm. choices they have real quick? Of uh, uh, when you register to vote, you can become this is in California anyway, every oh, state yeah, go has ahead. their different
1: This will be interesting. Yeah, okay.
5: So in California, for example, you can be an American independent party, you can be Libertarian mm-hmm. Party, Democratic Party, Peace and Freedom Party, Green Party, and Republican Party. Or declare not the state. Here in California 30% of Californians declare not to state. So to your audience, I personally believe, I believe Greg is, I believe everybody on this show is agreeing that Republicans and Democrats are done. Just pick one of the other five. Mm. And, well, I okay, been done. I agree. That's my thought. It's, anyway, it's, American Independent, an by the though. way, is kind of a iffy party here. So do a little research into the one you choose or just mm. choose anything but the old guys, I think and choose something independent and then change it as you go along because you can change your registration as soon as you like. And I always say to people, I always say to people, if the Democratic Party grows up, you can always register back. If the Republican grows up, you can always register back.
1: But how about unregistering? I never thought of that so recently, but just to protect my private information, I might unregister or just get off the the tracking because they're tracking everybody that registers to vote, and I don't need to be registered until the next election, and that's two years away. So I might just take myself <laughs> yeah.
5: off.
1: I'm serious. Yeah,
5: that's that's another um, angle.
1: Yeah, but here's the thing about being independent too, which is which is really interesting. You know, I mean, I was listening to the parties that you mentioned. I didn't hear the American Communist Party. I didn't hear the Tea Party. Uh, I didn't hear the Constitution Party or the Christian Party or the Christian Constitution Party. So they're they're not they're not getting everybody. They got the leftist parties, but I don't hear a lot of uh, you know. In, in fact, let me ask Jonathan: Did the Tea Party ever become an, a registered party where there were people? going for office under the Tea Party banner that was an actual political party, or was that just an idea? No, uh,
2: unless it was in some isolated state I'm not aware of, but there was gigantic discussions about it. Uh, The question was, you know, should we be a third party? Should we uh, be sort of a support staff? Should we not commit to any party? Uh, Or should we just throw in with the Republican Party? And the, the feeling was... That, you know, if, if we didn't support the Republican Party, the Democrats would just win automatically. So the Tea Party eventually decided to be, you know, supportive of the Republican Party. And that's pretty much when the Tea Party died. Is, um, yeah. I mean, you it didn't totally die, but it... Right.
4: I it mean,
2: when we decided to just become a subsidiary of the Republican Party, the Republican Party stopped paying attention and um, you know and it was it was back to business as usual for the Republican Party more or less except that I think that the seeds planted you know grew and took root and grew into, into to, to, to MAGA I mean that the, the the thing is is that you know I think MAGA and the Tea Party are not all that different they're really not all that different from Ross Perot supporters, except Ross Perot is sort of unpolished. Um, the difference is the Donald numbers, Trump. The quantity.
1: Actually, there's a lot of similarities what? between Ross Perot and Donald. Ross Perot, uh, Donald Trump's pretty unpolished, too, according to everybody. But there's a lot of similarities between right. those two. I, I remember the Reform Party. I remember when Ross Perot ran. See, now, I think I, I wrote about this a while ago. I've forgotten this. But um, my contention was, for the good of the country, the Republican Party should dissolve. It should go away. Because it's, con- it's conflicted. Right. It's schizophrenic. You know, you've got uh, well, you've the, got deep state operatives at the top, and you've got real Americans uh, at the base. That can never be resolved. Right. You well, know, well, the the, the, the hope it, was, it,
5: was that
2: the Tea Party would take over the Republican Party, but the the opposite happened.
4: Yeah, it
3: happened
2: the, uh, it's
4: not the party. party; it's the ignorance of the people. Donald hmm. Trump lost yeah. Arizona by ten thousand four hundred and fifty-seven votes. The independent okay. candidate had 51,465 votes. What they're doing is that they're killing the ideas and the platform of the that Donald Trump had and kept it from moving forward.
1: It's people should Arizona.
4: have... People,
1: <laughs> Trump won Arizona by, by a couple hundred thousand, I think, if I remember yeah, the, but, the audit. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah,
4: but here's the thing. Uh-huh. It still gets down that people should know what they want and they should have representatives elected representatives to go and carry out what it is that they want and if they don't they should remove them that's the whole thing this thing about voting for somebody just sitting back on your hands and waiting to see what happens is ridiculous it don't work right that's uh, exactly bravo yeah Uh, oh absolutely
2: bravo is exactly right it's not it's like I mean, it's a lot like sending your kids to a bad, you know, to school and thinking the school's going to do everything, you know, going to raise your kids for you. Uh, but yeah, I, absolutely.
1: Let's give him a round of applause. Here. You know, people. Ch- <laughs>
4: there you go, Pianchi. You got the theme. The theme out there is to get, is, is go to the polls, go to the polls and vote. Well, if you got a, a certain segment of people that's acclimated to vote one way. They don't tell them how to vote. They tell them how to vote, who to vote for, but they not tell them how to do the research. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean – I've done the
4: research it, it, on – I've done the research <laughs> on the candidate. Right. I've done the research on the issues. And I carried this piece of paper to the polls with
1: me. <laughs> You're channeling Rush Limbaugh. But most people don't do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. I did my research, too. But, but what's interesting is, uh, and this is what the Democrats always say, every vote counts. We have to make every vote count. What, with the illegal ones? <laughs> you know, so there's no standard. They want everybody to vote. And my contention is if you don't know the issues, for God's sake, stay home. Just because you have a right to vote doesn't mean you have to exercise it. In fact, you'll do more damage exercising a right you don't understand, that you don't know the issues that you haven't studied. So this idea that everybody has to vote is ludicrous. And it's causing a lot of damage to our country because people who don't know how to vote, who don't know the issues, who haven't taken the time to study, they're going to go with whatever the last ad told them, whatever the most money, whatever, whoever has the most signs in their neighborhood. They be, well, they must be the, the most popular and I want to be on the winning side. So there's a problem with voting that uh, our whole culture of voting is screwed up by insisting that everybody vote, especially the people that have no clue who's even on the ballot. I don't think everybody should vote. I, mean, I think everybody should have the right to vote. I don't think everybody should exercise it. How's that for controversial? Ooh, I stumped the panel.
5: I think it's no. just logical.
1: Okay. All right. Let me uh, switch topics. We've got a little bit more time before we get to our, our sex and sensuality report with Dorothy Diana. Total change. we get this intense legal discussion. Then we, then we just, you got to stick around and listen. It's pretty wild. Um current of action cases before the Supreme Court, Jonathan. If you had a chance to 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 listen, have you any commentary, observations, or uh, uh, why does it even come up now? I mean, this is a great time for this to come up with this particular court. But uh, what's going on?
2: Well, it is. I mean, and this has been this has been an ongoing
1: going issue.
2: Um, the the idea that a government that a government actor like like a, a government university can Discriminate based on on race or or in, in admissions policies and things like that. You know, it has been before the court before, but but as you know, as often happens, it was like a narrow decision. The grounds were narrow, so so it left it left room for them to to come back again and, and try you know try again. But mm-hmm. um, it's um, you know they're trying to they're trying to deal with different issues like. Can can race and affirmative action play a role or can must it play no role? You know, can it be can it be decisive? Um the, those kinds of things. So I have not really studied I mean, I, I don't I'm not sure there's a whole lot new here except to me, except that you do have a different court
3: mm-hmm.
2: and you do have a um a thing where they you know, where the proponents of affirmative action keep saying, Well well what about this? And, you know, what what if we do it like that? And you know, and um and the, the court keeps saying, No, no, no and and they're with the composition of the court it's pretty much guaranteed they're gonna say no this time around too. Now, you know, this is of course a very difficult topic because For Um, us, (laughs) we talk about all the time. Well, I mean the uh, the result, but but it's not the right way to deal with problems. The question is, how do you deal with the problems? Like to make Mm -hmm. sure that, I mean, basically, you know, the way you deal with problems, especially with my you know minorities or other disadvantaged people, is you know you abolish the teachers' unions as a scourge upon humanity, and and get schools that actually teach um so that by the time somebody's applying to college they don't have to worry about whether they're getting in or not um the um you know, you know what I'm saying so so it it's not the right solution uh to uh to the problem but you know it's like it's just fighting. you know in terms of racism it's fighting fire with more fire uh but but it doesn't mean it doesn't you know the thing is, is none of this makes the problems go away
1: what exactly so, is the
4: problem?
1: Um, the you know? Uh, Good, then I got, a, I got a Clarence Thomas. The thing uh, is, it uh, needs yeah. to
4: go away. Yeah. It it needs to go away. Affirmative action the way it's carried out needs to go away. And <clears throat> it, it, it because especially the way these private schools are running, you got your uh, private schools that on the college entrance exam is that they are spotting black kids three hundred and ten points from what a report I heard. Hispanics about 270, whites get no points, and Asians get deducted about 170 points, even before they sit down and take the test. That is totally wrong. It should be on merit. It should be on merit, not adding in if, well, my, uh, my grandmother was poor, or I came up in a neighborhood where the streetlights didn't work, or something of that nature. That is totally ridiculous. And it's, it's sad. It is very sad that that is happening. And even wow. these kids, when they get yeah. into college, when these kids get into college that uh, was given uh, this leeway at the uh, interest exam, they can't maintain the rigorous course. And it's taken them six years rather than four. In many cases, that means that the parents is going to have to pay, or the student loans, is going to have to pay 50% more.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it disadvantages people, too, because anytime you go to college, you know, depending on your racial group, which I hate these groups, you know, if you're a black student, or, or is everybody else looking upon you as like, well, you're only here because you're black, you know, and, and the Asian students are like, wow, how'd you get under the quota? Nice job. You know, I mean, it's it, 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 these horrible stereotypes in California, especially this, is, this might be a color question, uh, Asian students, you know, Asian students, when they were below quota, were like we need more Asian students. You got to you know up the number of Asian students in the colleges, and so the colleges did. Well, then the colleges got more and more Asian students, and they were above quota, you know. And I hate the term quota, but that's what happened: a proportional representation in the in the, in the population. So as Asian students became a greater and greater share above their percentage of the population, the schools were you like, we can't do that. you've exceeded your quota. So if you're under quota, people want more. You know, And they get more, but if you're above quota, you get restricted. Well, this, this whole idea that, that you have to be represented, uh, representative of the, amount, the percent of you, you know, in a particular group is insane. You know, do we have to have uh, engineers by racial group? Do we have to have doctors by racial group? Do we have to have teachers by racial group or any group, age group or anything else? This is just crazy. And my question for Jonathan is the 14th Amendment Equal Protection Clause. How on earth is affirmative action legal under the Equal Protection Clause when it clearly is discriminating?
2: Um, it isn't. Uh, I mean, it, it's sold on the grounds uh-huh. that temporary
1: and remedial, in, in the sense that that came up in the court cases. Yeah, you, they, they talk about what? that. Yeah, yeah. They talk about. I, I've been listening to the arguments. It's fascinating. They've been talking about that. That's the to So it's like, so it, it would be saying like, well,
2: the Fourteenth Amendment was violated. Uh-huh. So what do you do about it? It's like, yeah, you're not the, the, the victims of discrimination, both slavery and and discrimination and lingering effects and things like that.
1: Um, have, what are the lingering effects? Who, who is suffering under slavery today?
2: Well, I know I'm just saying what they're saying. I mean, because I, <laughs> yeah. oh, yeah, I mean, cause, yeah. my, my point of view is that 600,000 white boys died um, to end slavery. And the South, you know, the economic power of the South was burned to the ground by Sherman. Uh, but but in any event, the theory is, and, and you know, I, oh, God, there's not enough time here. You know, frankly, I We can keep going for a few minutes.
1: I it's became okay.
2: surprised to learn, and I don't know if there's any direct communication. You know that the idea of reparations
3: mm-hmm.
2: was created by Lincoln's general, presumably a Republican. And really? the more like the Marshall I plan? think about
1: it. <laughs> Is, that, is it like a Marshall Plan, the Civil War?
2: Yeah, well, yes, actually, quite a lot like that because they, they were confiscating all these giant plantations along the coast, in, uh, you know, like the coast of South Carolina, uh, the peninsula, I don't know what to call it, areas. And then they had all these all these freed slaves, and they said, well, we don't know what to do with them. Hmm. And so so the reparations idea, as I've read it, it, it wasn't some grand policy. It was more of a pragmatic, you know. What do we, you know? It's like it's, it'd be like freeing, you know, the concentration camps. Like, what do we do now? And so this um, general set up this plan. So let's divide up the plantations and and, and give them out. And and of course, uh, what is it? Forty acres and a mule, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it was, is basically a, a small business yeah, in it the was. economy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it was like 40. Yeah,
4: Ooh, Ain't a lot of mules left over from the war, and they gave was gonna give them out. But the thing that's missing, though, Jonathan, the land that they wanted to give out was Indian land. It belonged oh, to the Indians. Oh wow, that's funny. Now that's not that's that's a problem.
3: And, and of course,
2: today <laughs> we we'll get Chief uh, And, and then of course, it was I'll the Democrat. It. Yeah. it was the Democrat Party, and it was the stolen election. Yes, I said that of eighteen seventy six going into eighteen seventy seven. It was, you know, it was a, it was an election, electoral college disaster where they horse traded the election um, that stopped reconstruction. Hmm. And um, so all these plans, you know, became halted because of, because of a, well, I don't know. I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was stolen, but it was, well, it, it, well what, no, it was in a sense, because what they did is said, okay, we'll let your guy take the presidency. If, if the federal troops, if you withdraw all the federal troops from the South hmm. and, and let us, so, so in a sense it was a corrupt election and, and therefore all these plans went out the window. Well, now a hundred, 120 years, 140 years later, hmm. um, you can't, you can't find somebody who is a slave, can't find somebody who's responsible. But at the time, I'm starting to think it maybe wasn't such a bad idea. When, you know, when you had actual slaves wandering around the, 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 uh, the, the countryside saying, what are we supposed to do now? You know, it, it might make some sense to Say, here, take 40 of these acres and a mule and you got a small business. You got a family business in an agricultural society. But anyway, that's not what you asked. I'm trying to think, what what did you... So the thing is, is that if the idea is is that how do you remedy a violation is the way they've sold this. And that's why the temporary nature... Mm -hmm. You know, that's why... To those who are deeply involved, the fact that it was a temporary measure was important. But the average... You know, everybody else doesn't get that. They think that, that... the temporary part is just sort of a dodge, um, but, um, but there's a temporary was wh- wh- because like, no, you can't discriminate to end discrimination, but but you, but you have to find some way of like, okay, you know,
1: you have to fix it. Well, do um, we have to fix it? Yeah. You know, We've we got Dorothy in line here, so we're going to spend a couple more minutes on this. But uh, Clarence Thomas uh, raised uh, some fascinating points. He said, uh, and he went to the University of North Carolina, and I, I haven't listened to the Harvard one yet, but he said, tell me how we benefit educationally from diversity. And they couldn't answer. It was fascinating. So, Jonathan, if you get a chance, if you can listen to that this week, I'd love to talk about it next week in more detail because some of the things that were said by, by Alito and Thomas were absolutely fascinating. Uh, and this whole idea, and no one could defend it. You know, and of course the the left wants wants diversity because the, that's part of their agenda. But nobody can say that if you have you know different skin colors in a room yeah. that there's an educational benefit. And what and my contention is for, for college, I, I don't know if Dorothy wants to get on this. I'll, I'll make her line live in a minute. But the idea that we that the students benefit have to have diversity to benefit from each other as part of an educational experience, we can get that in life. You know, but also the, well, the primary you know, relationship—the uh, the primary, on, the, the primary relationship in college is not student to student; it's student to teacher. You, you're there to learn from a professor. You're there to learn, and Clarence Thomas rather does. You're here to learn physics, chemistry, literature, you know, sociology, whatever you're here in college to learn. You know, the, this whole idea of diversity. He says, "No, you know, no one's explained to him why this is an essential component of of, uh, of an education. It's nice to have." But but where's where's the, the technical you know studies that have been done to prove that you have to have either you know I would say a different thought I mean you can have people with the same, color, same skin same skin color totally different thoughts and people with totally different skin colors with exactly the same thought look like at most major universities and, and, the, and nobody had really good evidence for them this is what the, those hearings are so fascinating Piyaki, uh, let's go Asian, to you. yeah go ahead an uh,
4: Asian student an Asian student can score a perfect score and mm-hmm. that still don't mean they would get in. Admit because then you got to take in consideration of
2: oh their skin color. Um, I might, I, uh, but I, let me go, let me go try to. Oh, I'm on the phone. Let me try to.
1: Well, let me let me switch over to uh, to Dorothy here, and uh, let's let's pick this up next time. I got a bunch of other questions on this schedule. F we didn't get to Trump policy, people a whole bit. What <sighs> is a quick hour? How's that, Jonathan? You want to take your call, and we'll 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 move on. I think he's taking this call. We're moving on. <laughs> let me play. Did you say and...
5: Kyle or Jonathan?
1: No, Jonathan. Kyle, you can stick around too. But uh, I got a new report for you here. Uh, let me just. I just play. got a quick
5: point. I got a quick point for everybody quick from point. California. Go UCLA, ahead. UCLA, is still known as the University of Caucasians
4: Lost Among Asians. <laughs> well, you know the Baki case. The Bakke case. In California, where he sued against the California border region, Regents on form action, because they was letting in uh, people who scored less than him and putting yep. them ahead of him for interest. And that he had a good point. And it has developed into what it is now.
1: All right. Meet yourselves, everybody. i to play a couple of things real quick, and we'll be right back with Dorothy. Dangerously cool. Well, let's bring on uh, Dorothy Diana with our sex and sensuality report. A total change. Boy, when we change gears on this show. We we we, we change cars. <laughs> we change everything. We change direction. We change the whole thing. Um, I didn't like my theme last week, so I'm going to uh, I'm going to make you a new one that's I think uh, more more fitting on what we're doing here. But uh, it was an experiment. Some work, some don't. When they don't, I just like eh, start again. Dorothy, good morning. What's going on? Good How's morning,
0: Greg. Well. It was busy, but good. Um, yeah, I did lots of fun, interesting things and got to really bond with my kids. Less cool. yelling, more cool. bonding. It was good. <laughs>
1: yeah, that is good.
0: <laughs> yeah, we have warm weather here in North Carolina. It's been unseasonably warm at, in the 80s this weekend.
1: Oh, is it global warming or mm-hmm. is, it, uh, is anybody complaining I about that? Like, Too much global warming in the fall. I mean, sorry, not,
0: not my people. I was all <laughs> with the global warming people two years ago. That was like my tribe. My tribe shifted a little. Um, Mm. So not really. We're just like, oh, look, a a warm bird. Like I grew up in Tennessee. It was not unusual to have a few days of either real cold or real warm as the seasons change. You know, it happens. Hmm. So, but I was listening to the last part of your segment and I just wanted to, um, if you don't mind, I had a couple thoughts.
1: Oh, no, please. Never Uh, Never mind. You know, I love. Go for it. Well,
0: I love that Clarence Thomas asking the question, you know, show the evidence. That forced diversity in the education system has improved anything because Mm -hmm. we have these assumptions, right? We have these assumptions that people have to be forced to get along and you have to, you know, uh, people are these like raging racist maniacs if you don't force it by a system at the top. But I have this feeling that all the racial divisiveness and conflict has been basically engineered and propagated by this. If we have look at this pyramid structure in our society of the elite at the top, I mean, if you can mm-hmm. look at like the colonization of the, of the indigenous islands and just the history we do think we know so far. And then we look at the history of slavery in the U S and what we were told versus what the evidence is coming out, who actually instigated the slavery, who actually kept it going, who didn't want it to end. And, um, it looks like the same people that are trying to force diversity in a way that almost seems damaging, like inclusion and diversity, you know, are the same that are kind of keeping those things in place. And, you know, who's to say people don't benefit more when allowed to like thrive in their own separate culture and then like mix in as adults. I just, I think there's this assumption that the workplace would just be this crazy racist um, hotbed if we didn't force all these um, policies, you know, and I'm not so sure that's true. I, I, I don't know who's, who's creating the glass ceilings and the barriers in the first place. I don't well, think I, it's I the common people. The uh,
1: this is a great observation. What I want to do is talk to you about how this would play interpersonally between people, uh, which is your specialty as opposed to the, the the greater societal. And the conclusion I came to is that uh the left is basically a Marxist class struggle because that's what Marx is all about. It's always class struggle, but in this country mm-hmm. they use ra- they use race as the political weapon yes. to engage in class struggle. So it's not that they're right. the, the, the you know you know I mean, racial. I don't even like racial groups. I don't even like doing that. Um, is that you? Flip them through pages. We get a little background noise here.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm loving we'll... it. I'm looking at my okay, articles keep, I prepared
1: for us. A... Keep <laughs> keep flipping through them. But it, but here's <laughs> the question though: is is that you know. um, is, that's to me what it seems. I was, I was giving the example that if you had, uh, you know, a black middle class person, a white middle class person about the same income, you know, with a family, you know, and they're, they're working at middle class, you know, jobs, and uh, the kids go to the same school, uh, do they, you know, is there diversity? Do they have uh, more in common than they have more indifference as opposed to, say, Kanye West and, uh, you know, a black person on welfare? You know, I mean, or or the same thing, you know, President Trump and like a white person in Appalachia, you know, I mean, the color is not the real thing, but they, the left uses color. They use color oh, it's, as it's, the most it's, important it's thing it's in the world.
0: Intentionally, intentionally divisive, because I'll tell you, when you sit in a room full of people and you have mm-hmm. a conversation, everyone from different backgrounds, people from I, I have the luxury of coming from a white, wealthy um, background in Santa Monica to uh-huh. have completely submerged myself into a different cultural like group here, and okay, so what's, it fun. What I, what's, well, what's it now? well, what's it? It's just I came from a very progressive liberal community where most people were upper middle class and white. And we had all these wonderful ideas of how to save the world. And some of them were well, great and true. They could afford and true,
1: it. They all, <laughs> they afford they all they, ideas. Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. Well, yeah. they
0: all came from good-hearted places. Mm-hmm. People are good. And then when you come here, it seems, or it when you change your group and change your socioeconomic group and your religious group you're affiliated with and all the things, mm-hmm. I've changed a lot in my group, it's kind of fun to see how many similar ideas we have. There's very few arguments. Like I might stay it a different way or have a different idea of how it can be carried out, but mm-hmm. the intention is the same. So I've seen this over across, across any skin colors um, and religious backgrounds, the good people, the people of the world are generally good. It feels like, and they have the same ideas of how we can all get along and great solutions. But again, we have this hierarchical system that's intentionally keeping that, keeping us believing we're so separate. Because if you say like, you know, Trump versus, you know, compared to like a, you know, dark-skinned, um, urban, um, you know, maybe two-income job, how could they have anything in common? I guarantee when they get together, or, or Kanye West, you know, they have the same desires for, the, for humanity, and, mm-hmm. and I, I just think, like, I agree with you, the divisiveness is completely created. It's, um, yeah. it's in our media, it's in our, it's in our school system's language even more so now even worse now, this critical race theory, pointing out differences instead of similarities. completely Well, and, always- and,
1: and difference, dangerously difference. You know, it's like people, well, here's the question I have. When it comes to like an interpersonal relationship, say you have a, an interracial relationship, do people feel because of this government, because of this leftism, because of this identification that your race is everything? Do you find that people, uh, does, do people end up defending their race in a relationship rather than just be in the relationship? How much of this outside influence really affects people's personal lives?
0: I don't know, but I bet it's sort of um, mortifying. I I know that I have friends in some of the marginalized areas that have been under a lot of spotlight lately who are mortified Mm -hmm. and embarrassed. They feel like it's making things worse for them, um, that they just kind of want to be left alone. I do know that interracial couples, and again, this isn't my forte at all, but I do know interracial Mm -hmm. couples – there is a time and in places where they might get comments or, you know, disparaging looks, you know, not of course in LA because everybody's a different color. Like it's like a whole rainbow. Like there's no, you know, everyone's different. Everyone's but, um in other places where it's mostly one or the other skin color predominantly, you know, and there was a belief among my parents' generation, a lot of them, mm-hmm. not necessarily my mom, but that generation, <clears throat> that people should stick to their own kind. And they don't mean it in a racist way. They just mean uh, it's confusing for the children we would hear. It's, and I think when you have a super, um, oh, what am I, a super separated, segregated society, yeah, because mm-hmm. it's, then children feel like they're a freak. They feel like they're the only one. They don't know who they belong to. But we, when everyone is super integrated um, and then there is sort of like a lot of blends of skin tones, that goes away. And that's kind of lovely. And I believe that, Spirits and souls get aligned and it doesn't have any skin color. But there's a truth that there's a cultural background of a family. So if your family has a serious, like really specific cultural beliefs and backgrounds and habits and rituals and ceremonies and all those things, Mm -hmm. I think whether it's religion or skin color, whatever it is um, a part of the world, you might be from a little tiny, small Island somewhere where everything's very specific. When you try to merge that, that adds stress to a couple's relationship. That is, 100% 100% an added stressor for most couples if, oh. if the cultural background is very dissimilar. That being said, if you go into a relationship knowing that, and you take the time and do the work and have the open heart and the family is supportive, beautiful, absolutely doesn't need to be. But if you're not expecting it and you're thinking, oh, this, you know, you're not really talking or communicating, you're thinking, oh, this person's going to want to do Christmas this way, this person's going to want to, and you don't have those <laughs> great conversations, right? You know what I mean? Then obviously there's going to be problems. But that's, you know, we always go back, Greg, it seems like, to communication. Openness, yeah. vulnerability, and communication, right?
1: Yeah, so the Hanukkah or the Christmas this year. What do you want to do? Come on, let's make a let's deal. Do
0: let's do of Greg. it. <laughs> yeah, let's do all of it. All my friends in L.A. were Jewish, it seemed like. And we were the only, I think I've told you, we were at one point the only, we had Easter party. We were the only non-Jewish people at our Easter party, my friend pointed out. We were all laughing. Um, but the open-heartedness <laughs> and the willingness, everyone's celebrated with everyone else. It's easy. It doesn't mean you're giving up your faith. It means you're like, oh, that's so neat. Look at the similarities. I love your chanting. I love how you actually take time every week to celebrate Shabbat. Like, you take it seriously. You invite your friends over. Even though you're this, you know, kind of wealthy, du- dual-income professional family in L.A., you're still mm-hmm. taking the time to honor family traditions. I mean, that is so respectful about, and I don't want to stereotype about, a lot of people in the Jewish faith, though. They really are very devoted and they're not just saying they're this. They actually live the life that way. And yeah, You um, know what's
1: funny about uh, Jews in California all want to be Buddhists? At least they do in the San Francisco Bay Area. Maybe <laughs> they these... do,
0: but not my friends. My friends really? are okay. very proud of their family tradition. And, and I don't know, it's very special, but I'm not surprised. San Francisco kind of crazy town these days, you know, a little <laughs> well, bit, and right? This, and there's nothing this, wrong with exploring ahead, other religions. Yeah. you want to explore Buddhism, explore Buddhism. I mean, there's no well, I'm not about Buddhism, that. It's just, but don't throw away your favorite it, it, traditions.
1: Yeah, they call mm-hmm. themselves juboos, you know, Jewish Buddhists. Mm. It's, it's, kind of, it's not derogatory. It's just, it's just a characterization like, you know, That's yuppie. cute. Uh, it, it's I've kind never of funny,
0: actually.
1: That. Yeah, the Bay I Area. I love
0: that. That's very cute. <laughs>
1: well, there are two different worlds. For folks who don't know, California, because we got Kyle on the line. He's from Sacramento. That's northern California. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a divide somewhere around Fresno. From, from Northern oh, and Southern sure. California. And real Northern California is actually, uh, you know, part of the United States uh, as opposed to the rest of California, up in Redding, you know, where the real Americans live. Um, it's a fascinating well, state. you know,
0: I have this hypothesis, Greg. There is some sort of energy. The energy fields are real. This is real. I don't want to debate it. But there is, I just recently was at a vortex in the mountains. But um, so I believe Southern California, like the Nicoya Peninsula, and it's not a blue zone,
1: but there's like some
0: sort of en- like Costa Rica, these areas around the world that um, people live to over a hundred and they're trying to scientifically figure out why a lot of it's energy. I believe there is an Mm -hmm. energy. There's something about Southern California. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of positivity, a lot of freedom, like it's natural. When you go there, you almost your soul opens up to this free feeling. You feel anything's possible. Um, Everyone is friends. There isn't a lot of racial conflict, unlike, you know, what we believe in gangster rap, which I think, don't get me started, is probably Project Paperclip CIA sponsored. But anyway, um, generally speaking, it, it's just, it changes you. And so there's something there. So I think part of the reason in the pandemic, Southern California was locked down for so long and Gavin Newsom was given power and all this and Pelosi is because they needed to shut down that human spirit there. And so all their crazy ideas are coming from a good place. They just need structure a little bit to make it work, you know?
1: Yeah, that's, um, that's where you get a conservative so, business person to come in and make it work. So, like, I have a lot of ideas. Yeah. But I, I need people on me that can actually – I need a webmaster to structure it and put it into a logical sense. But my webmaster, for example, me didn't too. have the idea for, for write your laws. I said, well, here's what I want to do. And he's like, I don't know if I can do that. I said, yeah, you can. Just, just figure it out. Oh. You can do it. And then now we have a website. Yeah. Um, this, the, that's so true. You have get, your idea, people. Yeah, I'm an ideas person. And
0: then you have the people that need to put it into place in our 3D structure. Yes, Mm -hmm. love that.
1: Yeah. So, but uh, just one more question before we get to your topics, but uh, it it sort of seems to me that a lot of things are imposed on people. It's imposed on you that you have to identify by race. It's imposed on you that you have to identify by your economic status. It's imposed upon you that you have to identify by your your culture, your heritage, your nationality, your religion. All this stuff is artificial. I mean, the the things that they are, are are not artificial, your religion, et cetera, et cetera, but The idea that you have to identify by them and that you have to think a certain way be a certain way you know defend whatever you are in a certain way you know to everybody else it's just it's all this extra energy that goes into you know these the 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 politics we this is the one hour i want to take the politics out of things and say be yourself let yourself go have that Mm. southern california spirit that's why i moved to california in the first place i ended up in the bay area but um yeah i I should you know go explore it because that spirit's still there but it's being oppressed suppressed restricted by they, those that it's, need It's that intentional. Need
0: power. It's intentional. Yeah. They huh. use fear. So not only do people in Southern California have this mm-hmm. wonderful energy of freedom. It's almost like a childlike mm-hmm. um, quote, but also I feel like, they also have this such good hearted wanting everyone so happy with like they give everyone getting along. I mean, you can't live in LA if you don't like diversity. You just they go in, the, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. that they use that. They, they're so strategic with all this applied psychology. Um, okay. you know, we brought the Nazi soldiers over, obviously, they were psychological experts to turn a whole country against its citizens and Ooh, send them off to
1: the, to be slaughtered and
0: never want So they brought, are they, them they working over, for the deep state them. now?
1: What do you know well, about how that? many
0: years? Have, well, how many years did they use those Nazi scientists and all the information that they used over there and they used all the people of Southern California? I mean, our, that expertise area is so advanced now. We have no comprehension unless we're working, you know, in the CIA and in the super secret things. We have no idea how much they can do using, using drugs, using aerosolized um, drugs, which we know is now a thing. There was an article this week about, oh, look, we can aerosolize the vaccines. I mean, So what I'm saying is I think intentionally they 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 picked on the people of Southern California. They like they have like we got to shut this down and make them so fearful. But um,
1: why didn't you all rebel I mean, it's the American spirit is to rebel. Why didn't y'all do something about that?
0: that because that, that energy is not there. That ener, that energy there is cohesiveness and get along. They need the other parts of the country. So then they also can turn the Californians against every it's, part of the country, like Idaho, yeah. that didn't cooperate and didn't comply. Now we're all a bunch of terrorists, racist, crazy people. So they they, they you know brainwash them. So they don't even Christian want our Christian nationalists.
3: Yeah. When my husband well, went
0: there, my husband, soon to be ex, went there for work. He flies back and uh-huh. forth to L.A. a lot. We have a townhouse right. there. He said his friends couldn't even hear him, like his friends for 20 years. And he is a Republican, but he's also very progressive. And when he talked to these other businessmen he's known for many years, like his best friends, who were mm-hmm. also progressive and Republican, they couldn't even hear him. He said it's like all of a sudden when he'd say certain things about masks or ask questions, it's like they literally – went into robotic, I can't hear you, you're crazy mode. Like they like it worked. So even though they're all very like minded and they kinda of grew up together and are are like best friends and think the same about everything, because he was living in North Carolina and they were living in Southern California during the same alleged pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. Um but because of what they've been told. Mhm.
1: I mean, well, but, how psychologically, how does of, that happen? This is, let, let's get into your area of expertise. How, do, how is it that people who have been friends for 20 years so quickly give up that friendship? And because they're not conforming, this is like something out of Star Trek. You know, or like, remember yeah. the, the Invasion, Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Remember when they discovered yeah. someone that wasn't one of them? They'd scream this horrible, you know, blood curdling scream. And then everybody would That's chase like, them. They, that they was would...
0: like the pandemic. Like you walk into a store exactly. I mean, I don't want to be exaggerating, but that was a familiar well, feeling. Happened? Like you saw,
3: did, you did saw you, how the and the witch burning. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm a rebel and, and I, and I don't like masking my children. And that's based on science, not my personal bel- religious beliefs or political beliefs. I read mm-hmm. the science in early 2020. I, I'm, I'm very good at sifting through scientific articles and looking for conflicts of interest and looking for good methodology, so I knew well, and as a nurse, I was like, "Well, oxygenation is number one." I was taught that, and I, I still owe Vanderbilt University. And yeah, why would you mask somebody for
1: res- respiratory disease? Why would you yeah, mask somebody for a respiratory making, disease? It's,
0: it's, it's the opposite of healthy. It was a very unhealthy, and I now I believe intentional um, policy. Yeah. But but if I went into a store and said, "Hey, she's pregnant. She should not be wearing a mask. Let's all let her shop without one while we wear one." You know, Oh, you would have thought they, if if we had been in Salem, I would have been tied to the, to the sticks and set on fire. I mean, it it doesn't matter if it came from a place of compassion and education. So, um, their, their levels of psychological ops are so far advanced. We cannot, the only way we can combat them is continued Mm -hmm. intentional communication with each other, open hearts, open minds, and I believe prayer. So,
1: yeah, let me ask you a question I just thought of. Um, we, we talk about physical immunity to disease, is there an mm-hmm. equivalent mental immunity? Because a lot of us, and we're finding mm-hmm. individuals like uh, me, <laughs> you know, uh, Dr. Yeah. Vilenko, uh Dr. Judy mm-hmm. Michaels, who's a friend of the show, you, you know, Pianchi, uh, Kyle, Jonathan, all of so the folks that are on the show here.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but we all got together. But is, it, but is there is there a mental immunity? Are people, you know, genetically predisposed to be independent and not be as influenced as the masses? Has anybody yeah. done a study yeah. on that? So
0: we know there was a wonderful study on fish done a while back. And the reason I know about this is because um, I love studying about children and intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. And how do we create kids that stand up for, you know, the right thing against the crowd and don't feel like they have to follow. And um, Mm -hmm. if you have two different children, one's a huge risk taker, always like about to set the house on fire and like go to jail. And the other one is a rule follower who seems super uptight and is, you know, neurotic yet you know, by all measures of society is doing everything perfect. Like, how do you help both of those individuals get to be healthy adults?
1: <laughs> yeah, right. There, there are know some know guidelines for both helpful. actually. Yeah. We need to yes. move them in different directions. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So
0: my, so my passion do? in life prior to me moving away from this, into the sexuality and sexual health, which is also because of my kids, but um, was really attachment parenting and, and raising incredibly healthy children, mind, body, spirit. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that, research is suppressed the the really good research but um oh what's well, so unsuppressed let's talk about done. it here and what they
1: bring it out <laughs> bring out the studies i'm <laughs> well, what serious they,
0: what they found in fish populations is that um a a group of fish would 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 if they had they needed to have risk-takers as well as rule followers. So they had to have the ones that stayed back and stayed with the group when there was a danger or either a danger or an interesting thing. So they'd have some fish that would move towards something interesting and brightly colored immediately in a group. Mm -hmm. And then they would have some that would never do that repeatedly. Like they tagged the fish. They would never, the same fish would never really, no matter what the, no matter what the stimulation was until it was proven to be safe, it would never move towards it. And so these risk-taker fish would move towards it. And sometimes they get killed, but sometimes they get an amazing meal. And what they found over, this is a really good study, was longitudinal, and they found that um, a healthy group of fish that kept propagating itself would, would survive if they had a good blend, a certain percentage blend of those. And then some were a little Do bit you know what the middle. blend was? But, I
1: imagine I risk takers exactly. would be smaller, because 5% yeah, of risk takers right. could influence like 95% of the followers.
0: So we have to have the risk takers. So we need to celebrate those kids that are like living on the edge. I mean, we have to just kind of rein them in a little bit sometimes, but gently, because we, we need those adults, right? So uh-huh. um, to answer your question, there are both genetic, we come into the world, and I, you can either say genetic or spirit. I mean, some, sometimes I believe it's, I used to believe it was all genetic. Now I believe there's a lot of like, we came from somewhere else with a certain uh-huh. spirit, and we're taking yep. that into this world as warriors, okay? So whether you it genetic or you came, yeah, whichever one you want to believe, we came into this world already um, formed in a certain way to be that risk taker, and you can see it in toddlers. You can see it so young. You can even see it in babies. Um, and so we need that. So in answering your question, I believe based on that and some other studies that have been done, that um, oh, screens is a huge thing. So the more you watch screens and um, watch TV, the less likely, uh, you know this, because that's programming. So right. a lot of people who seem to speak out uh, were not raised on TV as much. So their parents were sort of more conscientious about how much they got to watch. And um, same with kids. You know, if you uh-huh. have your kids in public school and then they come home and get on the TV and you're not doing a lot of talking, those kids are, or, or they're getting talked to by somebody who believes the TV agenda, they're CNN addicts or whatever, then uh-huh. um, those kids were likely to comply and they're still wearing the masks. You know, they weren't given a a, choice. I
1: think this is the first I've heard of this. This is why I'm so so curious, that people that that I believe there's a certain percentage of us across all the lines, doctors, lawyers, engineers, regular folks that do, you know, regular stuff, you know, whatever. um, I'm not trying to single or class, you know, job discriminate here. But the thing is that a whole cross section of this country didn't buy it. They didn't buy the arguments, yeah. and they were in every state and every, every locality. You know, of the governors, Kristi Noem of South Dakota is the only governor who did not do any mandates of any kind.
0: She's amazing. Her, oh. She is
1: amazing. Well, I've been trying to get her on the show, by the way, so it's, it's one of my many, many folks I'm reaching president? out to.
0: Is she going to no. run for president?
1: She probably I won't. Think so. I would I not wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, no. Uh, okay. I, I can easily see – I'll tell you who else might run for president is Carrie Lake. Could very easily run for president after a couple of successful terms in in Arizona when she becomes governor, um, but but it's not. But this isn't necessarily a mentally strong thing, you know. I, I call myself a nerd warrior, just kind of joking around. I mean, I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. combat. You know, I wouldn't be carrying the big broadsword into battle. You know, I'd be the person making them. <laughs> You know, hey, here's, the, here's your best broad story. Try this. You know, that's uh, right. So, so where does this come from? Because you've got some of the, you know, we've got kids on this show. We've got uh, Brianna, our, our uh, government inquiry She's 16 years old. She's one of the brightest, smartest, and, and most courageous people I've ever met. I and mean, she'll ask all kinds of questions that most, uh, you know, seasoned adults in their 30s, 40s, 50s won't even think about. So it's not, it's, it's, I'm wondering well, if there's I a genetic predisposition the- to freedom that's stronger in other people. I-
0: I think there's a genetic predisposition to having a rebellious questioning nature, not okay. being part of the group think, not being part of the group think and being mm. the person that goes out and tests, that goes out and asks questions. And I also think, and again, here's spiritual, I think that um, I believe in Dolores Cannon, what she says that people come to this earth with a spiritual mission. And I believe all these strategies this hierarchical the people at the top of, the, of our oppression hierarchy do mm-hmm. um backfires and, and gets alchemized i believe there's a there's a good energy whether you want to call it god whatever you want to call it that alchemizes um there's enough of us still praying and still connecting and mm-hmm. and a lot of the evil plans get alchemized to good so you try to brainwash um a population and do all these strategies to suppress them it becomes really evident to a lot of people that that's happening I mean, the word slips out. We're still talking. There's the internet. The internet was a huge um, backfiring because now we can exchange ideas and Yeah, they can take things off the internet. Yeah,
1: they couldn't take they couldn't take books unless they physically burned them. But they can take things off the internet. I've got articles. I've got early COVID articles. I think far, it so had. I, can, a,
0: I think it backfired. You know, can't I think find we have them. even more yeah. more okay. rebellious people now. I think. Mm-hmm teaching, they taught the kids in school to rebel against their parents. That was like a subtle message in school. Oh, yeah, given a lot and on TV, on TV <laughs> Nicholas, yep. Nick, uh, Nick Jr. and all those shows where they're sassy oh. their parents are rude. Well, that backfired because now those same kids, when you are taught to be sassy, you're not just going to limit it to your parents. You're going to have a sassy attitude towards anything in authority. And so mm. you're being told, I, I don't know, I just think a lot of it backfires, to be honest. And it ends up having a, an opposite effect, which is very exciting to watch. You know, we need our rebels, right?
1: Well, and here's the question, too, that because I am a natural rebel. I mean, but I'm wondering, was it environmental? Because I grew up in three different countries, all of which had their own particular brand of, uh, you know, conformity that I didn't fit because by the time I got to the third country, the United States, I didn't fit anywhere, you know. And so, it, yeah. but that's, so I had environmental, very strong, you know, experiences that, that made me a rebel. Now, was I a rebel yeah. naturally anyway, or if I wasn't a rebel, would I have, you know, anything from become drug addicted, committed suicide, gone off to hide, you know, suppressed all my rebelness, you know, because it was causing me problems and, and just taking regular job, regular family and have all the, the miserable problems everybody else has. Kind of glad the way things worked out, even though there's it was, it was a hell of a road to get here. But can does that rebelness, you know, I guess that that can, you know, how much is environmental, how much is natural? I think you almost need both if you're really going to do it. You, I mean, need the you challenge. hang
0: out with a bunch of babies. If you hang out with babies over six months old, ever, like a group of babies, for, uh-huh. and just watch for a little while, you can kind of – I feel like it really supports that there's a lot of natural tendency for personality and rebellion. Okay. I mean, yeah. So I don't know. Do I've had you, the luxury of doing that. So, I, yeah. I mean, we, my my best friend in California had her PhD in child psychology, and we used to um, – we just had fun sitting at playgrounds, like watching kids and notice it. And just notice you're a dictator.
1: It. You're going to be a sports star. You're going to be an entertainer. You're the funny one. Okay. You know, yes, you're the yeah, quiet one. Yeah, they
0: have their, yeah. they, they come in. You're going to have 10 world, kids yourself.
1: Okay. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you can suppress it and punish it all you want, but I can tell you having a middle child that's a natural spirited rebel um, and me not being fully developed, like I, I, I'm weak. So I might know all the information I'm supposed to do and, you Why know, do you think you're weak? watch all the no, what are I'm saying just, is, I might watch example. all the parenting shows and watch, but right. then in the moments of real stress, I'm going to start screaming and yelling and um, threatening, you know, spankings and all this, all the stuff you're supposed uh-huh. to do. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter <laughs> that you can do whatever you want. When a child's born with a rebellious, spirited nature, you can—you'll piss them off. They might hide it a little, but they're not going to change. So, I—it's—it's it's really interesting to watch, um, you know. And, yeah, and saying when you are start encouraging.
1: You know, it used to be well, yeah, interesting. It used they're to be novel, the but now they're drugging the kids. Oh, and right. what about the, 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 boys. Uh, and the, the gender-affirming he health care?
0: He'd probably be on drugs. Oh, I, I would have been on drugs. I bet really he would.
1: Yeah, yeah. God, but, like, couple, so couple Yeah, we're so off-topic today. It's great. I love it. And um, I actually but,
0: prepared my topic. I prepared my sexuality during COVID-19 lockdown. I actually do have Do you want to do it?
1: Let's get to it. I mean, it's cool,
0: but, I mean, I'm in flow, whatever.
1: Okay, Go for it. Tell me about uh, tell me about COVID sex.
0: It's not. It's not that exciting, and you know the science isn't even settled. And I think yeah. the science isn't even settled on this at all because here you have a few things going on. As you know, you have the actual well-intended earnest researchers trying to show us, you know, these really interesting things like what happened with sexuality in couples during the COVID, and then you have the scientific um power structure you know about that actually doesn't let any articles get published they don't approve yeah. of and if they don't support if they don't support oh, the agenda it. they don't get published so trying to yep. sift through that these days is very oh. challenging but what I, you know what i'm saying because it, w- it was bad enough 15 years ago when i started researching food industry stuff and medical industry stuff but now oh my right. god it's much worse so trying to figure <laughs> out like okay which which of this is real which of this is real or what do they just want us to believe but what they what it looks like um is uh, for couples during the COVID-19 lockdown, men actually reached orgasms faster and more frequently compared why? to pre-lockdown. But women... Why would they do that? Re- reaching orgasms. Who knows? That's good for shoulder sure, <laughs> reachers. Um, okay, I'm just so curious. I, I was ask hypothesis. why. You know, my hypothesis, women, you know, women when they're stressed out at all or feeling overwhelmed can't really, don't really want to have sex. It's hard for them to get wet. It's hard for them to have orgasm. So that's my hypothesis is that... You know, now your husband's at home as well as the kids. Everyone's at home. And no matter how much we say, oh, we both are in this together, husband, we're going to do we're all this sharing. together at home, it doesn't really together. work. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, usually women take on the burden of being at home. And I think that is natural and it's okay, but it stinks because they're all by themselves in these homes with all these people instead of grandmas and aunts being with them. Um, they're all by themselves. And so I can only imagine, you know, they had increase in, a lot of increase in overwhelm because now their workplace has an additional person in it and the kids aren't at school all day. So, I mean, who's going to... Yeah, the kids are home, the, want...
1: the, the, the working parent was home or both working parents were home, depending yeah. on, on the situation where all of a sudden we're stuck at home and you can't go anywhere. And if you didn't you know, have you would... a really
0: great husband that was supportive in the home, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, that's going to stink big time.
1: Or if your wife was, like, having affairs while you were at work, that's another problem, too.
0: I mean, she can't have her affair anymore.
1: Exactly. pandemic. <laughs> Talk about stress. Jeez. How many so maybe do that? that's well, why she had
0: more difficulty reaching Yeah, That could yeah.
1: be. But this is an interesting question. that The routines were upset. that the, the standard order of things was completely shot. Um, the, the best benefit, I think, of COVID is that people stopped commuting, that we actually could work from home. And it's created an entirely new culture. Uh, home development has, has changed a I, I did a optimized. show on uh, – nope. yeah, go ahead. I
0: think it's kind of good. Me. I think it's a yeah. good thing. I think it's going to end up being better for people. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, commuting sucks. Sorry. But what I was curious about was if the guys were, were doing it faster. I think, I think guys, you know, we, our, our idea is, you know, better grab it while you can kind of thing. You know, you could be dead oh, yeah. tomorrow. I mean, look at soldiers. That's soldiers funny. that go to battle. What, what do they think they do before battle? They get drunk and they have sex, right? Wouldn't, mm-hmm. wouldn't you? You know, if you could be dead the next day. So yeah. it's an interesting mentality. Well, here's something I thought of, too, I was talking but about most, in an earlier most conversation. Couples didn't, yeah.
0: Most couples what? said they didn't have, perceive any differences. So there was a good study done. Most couples okay. said there wasn't many differences. But, how, about, but how about dating? The, only, the only subtle <laughs> thing was a decrease in pleasure and satisfaction for females. But um, oh. interesting, teen pregnancies went up, especially like in, in the U.S., teen pregnancies went up. And in um, really? Africa, severely. HIV and teen pregnancies way up. Um, in these countries that participated in the lockdowns. Now, not all the African countries did. You know, I think a couple of them that didn't, their dictator or their dictator, their leaders went dead. But for the ones that participated in the lockdowns, teen pregnancies through the roof, HIV through the roof. So if we're really supporting diversity and we care about the other countries and we care about minorities, why would we enact measures that cause such devastation? I don't know. So, again, it's like what the political agenda says. Well, who are the minorities in Africa?
1: Well, I
0: mean, like, we well, never thought about country, this. We but... have these Black Lives Matter signs on everyone's right. yard, right? And that okay. tends to be Democratic voters, of which I was one most of my life. But I think it's another one of the ironies is that during, the, that pandemic, the, the, better during sex the pandemic,
3: minorities suffered the most during the pandemic.
0: Minorities and people who are vulnerable in our country and around the world mm-hmm. suffered the most because of pandemic measures, Right. So like in Davidson, well, where I was living, it's white middle class. They weren't, they didn't, really weren't affected at all. So they had these yard signs. But if we look at who really suffered because of the pandemic measures, um, this is another example of, of globally who who suffered because of, so we didn't have sex ed. We all the people were, all the people were staying at home. The, you know, the economic pressures were huge. And um,
1: well, if they're staying and home, they're having sex at home. So there must be a lot of people having sex at home. You know, so there must have, been a, must have been a lot of visiting going on, you know, as people were isolating yeah. their home with with other people from other homes. Um, but this they is, have been, Go ahead, Pianki.
4: They have the at home rather than in the park. <laughs> oh, well, we don't know. What,
0: I don't know. Whatever or, the equivalent the people of really, really People were really people compliant. They just yeah. weren't in school. The teens were not in school. What do teens want to do? I mean, teens need to be on purpose.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, they don't need to be left alone all day, not watched. They can just go... True. the
1: parents are working, yeah. Got to keep the kids busy. You know, mm-hmm. sports, uh, arts, and, uh, and education. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, until I yeah, forgot they didn't do any you.
0: sex ed. They stopped all the sex ed programs, and they stopped all the contraceptives. They closed the health clinics for the teens. Why?
1: Oh, because they were part Thank of the schools? You.
0: Well, That's I don't insane. know because – so a lot of these STD clinics and um, clinics that gave out contraceptives were closed down. I mean, you know, you can say why, but my viewpoint now is none of this was an accident. We kept our alcohol stores open. Walmart was open. I mean, we don't need to get into it, but this is just another example of how it wasn't actually for the people, the lockdown. It yeah. was just all the measures were destroying the real people and um well that's benefiting part of the point. And, uh, the big point i don't want to get
1: political uh, well i'll get political just a little tiny bit it seemed to me that mm-hmm. well it's good from a health perspective i think that uh see i believe that the, the the vaccine came years before the the engineer of COVID. you know they uh, hold on Kyle just a second here i want to um I'll bring in just a bit, but it seems like everything that was done was done to preserve COVID in people uh, so that in preparation for the vaccines, which were designed to perpetuate more sales of vaccines, because everybody that, that gets them seems to get COVID. I can't remember the last time somebody said, well, they've never been vaccinated, and they suddenly got COVID. That hasn't been happening, because mm-hmm. we all have immunity. Uh, so from a health perspective, right. the worst never things you can tell. possibly Yeah. And so the worst things you could possibly do is to keep people at home, because that's where the most disease is transferred, to take them away from their jobs and away from their income. So now they've got the stress of financial stress. You know, you've got the addictions of fentanyl coming across the border. You've got drug addiction. You've got, uh, you know, sexual assault. You've got all these crimes that have been committed. uh, And uh, and everything is being people are being pressured into a totally bizarre existence. Masks, distances, regulations, requirements is everything. Everything that the government did perpetuated it. Nothing they did would have cured it. And I think they perpetuated it so they could get us to the point where the, the, the alleged vaccines, which are really, really gene shots, came out. That's my theory, that nothing was done because everything course. was done counter yes. to health. So when you think about it, you know, and, I'm gonna, and mental I'm health allow especially. You to
0: use the word, I think I'm going to allow you to use the word theory there versus hypothesis. The so theory has been proven. You know, hypothesis is an idea. But and right. I always tell my kids, that's not a theory. That's a hypothesis. But I'm saying theory, too. I think we, there's yep. enough evidence in that direction that this is, mm-hmm. I mean, probably the truth. I agree. Yeah. I, think, I, th- I actually think that most people now agree with you. But this article was interesting in that there was another one done where they surveyed about 2,000 adults. And what mm-hmm. this, these researchers found was that one in five, so about half of the samples said their sex life got worse during the pandemic. So I guess they followed oh. the rules. right? Right. But, but um, you can't have sex feet, six it,
1: feet apart. What are you going to do? I mean, it's, <laughs> sorry. It's this so thing.
0: gross, right? Yeah. They were so perverted. They, they had all these suggestions in New York Times and stuff. But oh. okay. The one in, right, masturbate with a mask on and look at each other. I mean. Okay.
1: <laughs> that was in the New York Times?
0: That's a, that's, I don't know if that was in the New York Times. That's the type of article they were. They, they, they touched oh on some ideas they had of how people could, could do it, and it's so gross, right? It's that's not bizarre. even. Gross in that. I mean, I think it's fine to masturbate in a mask and look at each other, but not because the government's telling you to or the weird, creepy New York Times. because that's something y'all fantasized about. Go for it. But don't do it because you're afraid, you know, and if you're living in the same house together or in the same apartment, I mean, look, upper respiratory virus. You're already
1: exchanging everything.
0: Yeah, you're Uh, not going to be, unless you're a neurotic nurse, you're not going to be watching that germ trail. You're going to get exposed. Okay, but this is fun. One in five participants reported Uh they actually tried new activities and expanded their sexual repertoire, um, Hmm. sexting, trying new positions, sharing sexual fantasies. Um, I guess online got big, like online virtual sex.
3: Everybody's
0: um, home.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, honey, let's well, try this. Look what I found. this is mostly for
0: younger, not for married. <laughs> this was mostly oh. for younger singles, younger <laughs> singles living alone, okay. increased their sexual repertoire by adding new things. And huh. so this article was written, in my opinion, to try to show us how the pandemic was actually made improvements. Um, but oh, you have please. to sift through the article when you read it to see that they're trying real hard to put a positive spin on things. But it was interesting. Okay. So okay. one in five started sexting, doing um online, you know, um sexual activity like on video with their partner, with with people and uh um, gets you
1: in trouble when those videos surface. But anyway. I
0: know, trying I think they go on Skype or what is it now? They it's not Skype anymore. It's like
1: um
0: it's like a live, you know, live chat, right? Yeah. With video. Mhm. Okay.
1: Well, Kyle had a point. Let me just jump in here and get his point, and then we'll get back to these other. Oh, yeah. This is fascinating stuff. Kyle, did you have a point you wanted to make?
5: Um, let's think. I've been thinking for a while. I had a point a while back, and a point there.
1: Well, I thought you jumped in the um, conversation. That's what I, I thought you were. Uh, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I'm trying to no, tell voices. No,
5: no, 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 The question is valid. Um,
1: Kyle's in California.
5: It, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of powers to be that are not attractive around the world, in your state, in your city. Most people, I think, as she pointed out, mean good, are good, but they don't know how to be good or they need help being good. But evil oh, right now how seems... how to be good? Well, that too. And people, oh. you know, evil is really in charge in a lot of places. And evil, all we have to do with that quote to get rid of evil, all you got to do is grow up nothing. or all you got to do is
1: no, participate nothing. or, you know. No, nothing. Oh, yeah. All that's needed for list. evil to succeed is good people to do nothing. That's Edmund Burke.
5: Bingo. Be- repeat that one.
1: All that's necessary repeat. for evil to triumph is for good people to do nothing.
5: Bingo. Mm-hmm. That's all I got.
1: Okay. That well, sounds good. Let's get back to you. We've got uh, about 15 minutes. More if you have extra time. If not, then uh, I just want to talk to you. I <laughs> don't <laughs> today,
0: part. unfortunately. I'm homeschooling okay, well, the three little guys, and I promised them I'd make caramel apples with them.
1: Well, that makes sense. That's that's priority anyway. Okay. Well, let's just go back to to COVID and and relations because this was this is almost a, a siege. This was a terror time. This is a time of mass psychosis and mass fear. And how 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 many relationships did people have? I mean, were people? I lost a ton of friends. Uh, I lost a ton of friends over politics when Trump was elected. I lost a ton of friends over COVID because I said, look, this, I said COVID's real, but everything else is a hoax. The vaccine's a hoax. You don't need mm-hmm. it if you've got hydroxychloroquine. And I was saying this back in February of 2020. I wrote a bill saying that Congress could only spend half the money on vaccines. The other half had to be spent on early treatments, which I knew worked because of the D.R. Road study in Marseille, France. You know, March, March 2nd is when I announced that COVID government policy is a hoax. The vaccines aren't needed. Guess what happened to me on social media? I was almost never heard from again.
0: Oh, yeah, but no, wh- whenever you tag me for the radio show or I share it, I'm telling you, I know, I can tell the algorithm at this point because I have a lot of friends on Facebook and people really can like they a look lot of my
3: Can they tell I me what's going on?
0: that I'm being shadow banned because of you, yeah. that right. you are a hot, hot red flag on Facebook. So you should be proud of that.
1: <laughs> I am. I am. Well, actually, I am, I am and I'm not, you know, it's, uh, and I've tried to well, try the kind other things really like surrounded. True Social, but... It's not happening. You know, if yeah. I
0: share your post and I put a bunch of fun emojis, and I, so if I was to share your, your radio show and then do a different tagline at the top and put some fun emojis and throw some certain words in, it uh-huh. gets more viewership. It's really interesting.
1: Uh, uh, oh, I want to know more about this. This is fascinating. So if I start calling yeah. ourselves the, uh, uh, the, the, the Woke Radio Network, okay?
0: Maybe. Uh, yes. WRN. On Facebook. Yes, welcome
1: to – oh, in fact, WRN Radio now presents – you know, the Sex and Sensuality Report for Liberal Progressives. I can make this stuff up as we go. Here we go. You us let's, let's say uh, the Woke
0: Radio Network, not. And, I mean, it would probably pass Facebook's
1: algorithm. Um, okay. Here's one for you. And now. Yes, news from the Woke Radio Network. From Independence, Independence, from the government powers that tell us how to think. Every day, and now back to you, Dorothy.
0: Well, <laughs> no, I can hardly hear your voice, but I picked up some of it. Oh, I'm going really okay. hard of hearing, but I guess I, I can talk over, over it, my but...
1: themes. Then, yeah, I'll try not to talk over my themes <laughs> anyway. But uh, but that's fascinating. That's uh, just a change in. Uh, so, I, I, if you don't want me to, if you want me to stop tagging you with the show, I can do that. Or do you want to just like change? No, the title don't or do something.
0: that. I'm going to play with. I'm going to play with because if I if I reshare it and put something sexy and then some fun emojis at the top. Um, it, it improves the viewers. I can tell because a few people will see it then after that. So That's I don't know, fascinating. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. My friend, okay. I have friends that are so well researched, and they've been. I mean, they can't. All their viewers, nobody ever sees their posts anymore. But um, to, to wrap it up on though, like there was a great meta-analysis done on this sex during COVID-19. Um, mm-hmm. So one group of researchers actually took all the. They took all the studies that have been done. They did this in 2022. They tried to do a meta-analysis. They take all the research that had been done since early 2020 on COVID-19 sex and put it all together. Again, the results are all over the place. So they try to put it together and come up with like a cohesive theme. And the cohesive theme was that Participants overall reported a reduction in the number of sexual relations and an uh-huh. increase in solo sex activity, especially masturbation, compared to prior prior to the pandemic. So if I was to throw an opinion out there on that, I would say Yeah, I'm curious. The powers that the powers that be a goal was successful. So sexuality, healthy sexuality raises our frequency, our energy frequency, it connects us. I mean, people with a healthy sex life it's almost like, like a feel-good drug. I mean, you're more productive, you're more creative, you have more love to give other people around you. Um, it's, it's like being on a happy drug, right? So if you can take mm-hmm. that away from people, I, I'm sure they're more stressed and more easily controlled. I mean, they isolated us in our That's house, and then they said, oh, okay, shoot, they're in their house, but what if they rekindle their romantic relationship? Then we've lost the goal, which is to make everyone miserable, stressed, they're completely compliant. Um, so full of fear and cortisol levels that their brain has shut off completely. But if they're having a great sex life with their husband that's home all the time now, I, I don't know. I just, I really do think the goal was just that. What the meta analysis showed with the result was that people well, were isolated, theory. solo sex activity stopped, yeah. stopped connecting, except for the teens. The <laughs> teens said, "Fuck it," and they got together anyway. Apparently, <laughs> pregnancy rate went up. Good for them. I mean, I hate the teen pregnancies, but that's because as a culture we haven't provided them with appropriate education prior to the pandemic. Right. Which should have been started in elementary school, as one of my soapboxes always, I always say. No, that's
1: okay. Listen, I, I, I <clears throat> yeah. you know, I think sex education is part of education, but again, we, we, there's that we want to, you know, we don't want to do, do it to the counter of the parents, and, and to other stuff. It's, but it's yeah. interesting, you know, and it's a, that we should talk about that more sometime. But uh, this whole idea. Sperm meets of, of,
0: egg. Here's the sperm, sperm. Here's the egg. They meet. Baby is made and that that information should be given before period way before period starts so fourth grade latest and that is not yeah. making anyone have more sex that information that doesn't make anyone have more sex no. and also mm-hmm. go babysit babies at your church starting at a third grade you get school po- extra credit points if you and your family on the weekend babysits a baby maybe a struggling family has a baby and you give the mom a break for 2 hours you take the baby home and babysit um uh-huh that is such great education for kids on how much a baby really requires. That is Ooh. great contraception just to be around babies and see what they require. <laughs> so if you look at stats in the homeschool community, this homeschool community generally has less teen pregnancy rate, lower teen pregnancy rates oh. than, than the non homeschool community. That's, That's very interesting. We might say why you could say yeah. it's the religiosity. I don't think so. I think it's because yeah. when I watch, I've been part of this community for so many years, the olders and the youngers are always together There is no fantasizing for these teen girls or boys about wouldn't it be lovely to have a baby together. No, they do not want that. They have been watching their siblings the majority of the day for years, being followed around, being woken up at night because they don't get segregated, not sent to school all day. And they're not, and and usually homeschooling families, not all, but usually it's multiple children. And when you get together socially, everyone goes. I think that might be part of it. I think the religious might be also, but, um, the fact that the teens are not thinking there's anything romantic or sexy about having a baby together. Like they're not going to do it, you know? Um, and they they found that teen pregnancy rate when they interview girls who got pregnant young, that is, it's a motivating factor. They say, I wanted someone to love. I wanted someone to love me. I wanted, I thought it, it would bring me closer to my boyfriend. You know, they have these ideas. Um,
1: which leads to the question, About how what? many uh, Well, how many times when people say the pregnancy was unplanned, was it really planned? They're just saying that. And how many teen pregnancies, teenagers actually plan to get pregnant? You know, I mean, there's, because there's, uh, it's so easy to avoid. You know, A, you can just not have sex.
0: Well, I don't you want know, to be sexist, right? Other- I do. It does seem that the girls sometimes do that. I don't think that's the majority of cases at all. I okay. think it's ignorance, lack of sex ed. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and not understanding how contraceptives work or having contraceptive failure, you know, how and hard teens it they to tend understand. to be really fertile.
1: I mean, how, yeah. yeah, well, of course, teens are fertile. Yeah, the, the hormones are raging. But how hard is it to understand mm. contraceptives? I mean, there's only so many types and, you know, and what's, what's, the, what's the big mystery? Why? Well, okay, I'm it, going to
0: share a story. When I was 12, uh-huh. my friend's sister was 11, one year younger, and she got her period. She huh. was adopted. She, didn't, she hadn't come into the family until age 9 or 10, like a year or two earlier. Uh-huh. She put the tampon in her anus. Ooh. And that's just an example. of an 11-year-old girl not even knowing her own body parts. So we can forward that sort of, like, you say, how hard is it? I mean, I don't, kids can be really stupid. It's obvious to us. But they don't do the condoms right even. You know, they, they, they really need to be shown and they also need to wait until they're older, but that's yeah. all part of good, good sex ed. And yeah. so my friend's mom was mortified. and She's like, I can't believe I, I sort of just forgot to try, just assumed, because I guess she'd had these open conversations with her daughter, um, right. her, her biological daughter. But, you know, so anyway, it was a wake up call that, oh my gosh, I need to talk to this girl. Um, <laughs> like
1: right now. Yeah. yeah that's, more
0: <laughs> like more detail. Yeah, exactly. And the second mm. child you tend to not give as much attention to also in her, in her forgiveness to forget for a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's not it's not really obvious until I mean you'd be surprised the misinformation children have from listening to their peers. When I teach sex ed, like the questions that come up, sometimes they're legit and sometimes I'm like, what? I mean, <laughs> how, how can you not know this? But I would never say that. I I, I treat them right. all the same, but they really do need it broken down very simply at an early age and age appropriate, you know.
1: Well, there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect <laughs> between the science of sex—you know, sperm meets egg produces baby—and the emotions. Like, you know, at what point do you think you're just going to fool around a little bit and then get carried away? You know, and that's this is
0: right. A, he just put the tip in, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. We're not really going to get pregnant the first time. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, you know I, I, you know, exactly. But all the things that people or well, he's
0: going to pull out. I mean, there's a lot of sperm in the pre com and most mm. teens think it's in the it's in the big load, right? That you can't get pregnant. Yeah. From the pre com, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Surprise, so. yeah.
0: Yeah. Or,
1: or, or the rhythm method works. We'll just calculate exactly, you know, ovulation. That for for older folks or whatever. That's you know, all these different misconceptions. It's like if you plan not to have a kid, there are ways to do it. But you know, there. But uh, these sort of like in between measures, these rationalizations. We should talk about rationalization, birth control rationalization. Well, it's real. This will work. We think. <laughs> you know. All these different conceptions people well, have. Well,
0: and also there's the subconscious. Like I might say on the uh-huh. surface, I don't want a baby, but I really want uh-huh. to be close with this man. I really want to make sure he stays with me, you know.
1: So that's fascinating Oh, I really don't. Because yeah. why, I, I want to, this is like a whole show. Why do women think that if uh, they get pregnant and they haven't discussed it with the guy, you guys haven't planned it out, you haven't talked about it, you haven't talked about marriage, you haven't talked about long-term relationship, you haven't talked about whatever it is that you need to talk about, before, before a couple decides to have a baby, that somehow this is going to bring the man closer. Because I would think nothing would drive mm-hmm. him further away faster than to be forced into a decision that he's had no part in making. And there's your problem.
0: Romanticizing. Romanticizing. Watching too much TV, too many fairy tales, um, mm-hmm. not being educated again, yeah. and, and being insecure and having a low self-esteem and craving mm-hmm. love and connection you didn't get as a child. You know?
1: Yeah. I wonder how much of the abortion rates of that of, of women of, of, you know, from teenage girls up to, uh, how, you know, when at any age, just, just think that uh, this is somehow an, an enduring quality. It's like, well, the guy will, you know, love me forever if I just get pregnant. No, <laughs> you know, because guys, we like to, we, you know, I don't know most guys, but uh, at least with me, it, it's nice to have control of my life. I like to be the one mm-hmm. making the decisions. I hate it when, and yeah. this, is, this, is, this is one of the reasons I'm not crazy about marriage is I cannot stand to have decisions made for me that I have absolutely no control over. And it's not just a, you know, I mean, it's any decision, financial, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, and I think that goes to relationships too. Well,
0: now let's be fair, Greg, when you if you come inside or if you, are not being, you're you're making the decision as much as she oh, is to have a baby.
1: Oh, well, sure. Yeah. So, so,
0: you know, Agreed. you're being forced into something. So.
1: No, I'm not saying, you no, know, I'm saying, I'm saying once yeah. there's a pregnancy. Yeah. Once there's a pregnancy or the motivation, uh-huh. I'm not about the actual act of getting pregnant, yeah. but, but the motivations for why somebody would want to do that or, uh, you know, it, it, the same thing goes for, for uh, I don't know, a guy that uh, says, you know, that he really wants a child, has already had a vasectomy, he's lying about it. You know, just so he can keep his marriage together. I mean, there's lying on both sides. There's the deceptions and the self-deceptions well, it's interesting and there's all because things. Yeah.
0: A man, a man might say, "I don't like," you're saying right now, "I don't, I don't want to have a baby. I like to make my own decisions." Mm-hmm. But there's this primitive urge in men, like deep, deep below mm-hmm. the conscious, that does want to spread seed and does want to spread, you know, spread their genes. Right, and so well, that's a bit of
1: a how, yeah, yeah I mean, maybe not just women. Be,
0: maybe women aren't the only ones fooling themselves, saying, I don't want to get pregnant, but then making choices that lead to pregnancy. So, like, yeah, subconsciously, it they, they do want to. I mean, maybe men but, are doing the same things on a primitive level, like, I don't want well, this, but then at the same time, there's something deep inside me that really wants yeah. to. And don't get me wrong. I love being a father. <laughs> I,
1: had, I had a blast being a dad. I'm not, unless, you know, against uh, against kids at all, but it's just, but it is fascinating. But, uh, you know, conditions make a difference. I mean, plans make a difference. Um, but it, mm-hmm. but I don't go around as a guy thinking, I really want to spread my seeds. You know, you know if I see like a babe no, walking down the street, my, my first thought is not, you know, I could really spread my seed and have more kids. This would be great. You know, I, th- that's not how my mind works. I, I bet you most guys, you know, you talk to them. But your body thing.
0: works that way. Your body works that way because.
1: Oh, um, my, my gosh, body's saying gets, it's time to make more of A man bread. gets an erection
0: in like very short. It takes one sexual thought for a man to get an erection. Okay. And that's nature, right? That's your body saying spread seed.
1: <laughs> but that question, that. is it saying spread seed or is it like, uh, let's feel better? You know, I mean, I, you know, let, mm. let's have some fun here. It's, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a psychologist, but I think it's interesting when yeah. you go into these motivations uh, of people. Yeah, as to well, especially different kids. parts of the brain. Yeah. Right? And guys two want kids too. I mean, guys one, definitely want kids. One I mean,
0: encouraging you to spread seed yeah. and one encouraging you just to feel good.
1: Ooh. That's a whole conversation right there. I don't mm-hmm. – it's like when we talk about racial identity. I don't think white. <laughs> you know, I don't go around thinking, well, I'm a white person. I should feel this way. You know, I don't you – know, I don't, I don't either. Who
0: thinks like yeah.
1: that? I, well, no, but that's what you're saying, though. If you say the, the guys want to spread their seed and women want some of the love, and this just
0: – Well, I it, do think thinking. It. I'm not saying it's thinking. That's the reptilian just, it, part of the brain. The that's spreading way seed down is down the there. primitive. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: Hmm. Same with the women who, who don't want to get pregnant logically, and they want their career – but they're fighting something deep inside that that does want to have babies, and yeah, very glorious few women that don't have that yeah,
1: after a mm-hmm. while, remember that glorious times. I wish I wish I had kids, okay, <laughs> you can do both, yeah, let's do that. I hear something really fascinating speaking on the evolutionary scale, we, we probably have to take this up next week that the reason that men have you know a gazillion sperm, i mean millions uh is mm-hmm. to improve their chances of reproducing you know over the previous guy who might have been there you know recently with his millions of sperm.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Have you heard about that? That goes back to ancient you evolution. Okay.
0: That the reason what can you tell that me men have. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, I'm adding <laughs> to that. And, and I, I remember also the reason that you have, um, so, that, you know, the penis goes, and it has the glands, meatus, with kind of the ridge on the bottom of the glands. So uh-huh. it's like bigger. The head is bigger, and the shaft is a little thinner. Yes?
1: I don't know. What do you, where, where are we going with this?
0: Well, I'm, I've got something to say about it. But, I oh, mean, you can imagine your own penis, right, right now? And, you know, there's, like, a, it's large at the top to it kind of goes in. Well, whatever. <laughs> this is, I'm going to get a point saying. here, I promise.
1: I'll, I'll, I'll um, use my imagination. Everyone take right. out their
0: penis right. and follow along. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, Follow the bouncing,
1: bouncing balls. balls. But, Sorry. Anyway.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, th- that allegedly, the reason for that, um, one hypothesis, is that um, it helps pull out, the, it creates a vacuum suction up to the cervix. So if a woman who you're having sex with just had sex before you, it helps pull out the thrusting action with the larger on the top, and the ridge helps pull out the other person's semen. So when you really? ejaculate, yours has a better chance. This is, this is what's suggested as the purpose for that shape is one of the reasons for that. But yeah, I mean, it's
1: interesting. So if you have more ridge, you have more chance of getting rid of the previous guy's, you know, stuff?
0: Yeah, more ridge and the like things we talk about and,
1: that I never would have yeah. occurred to me that we would cover on this show. This is fascinating. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. So size does Competing a with then. the
0: semen put in before yeah. you. Yeah, which also put it, supports and, and, the fact that we were kind of a free love people before the agricultural revolution. There wasn't all these rules about sexuality. And when you have a society that supports the children and that everyone takes care of the children together, you don't have to worry about these things like teen pregnancy. I mean all a lot of our problems I mean I think almost all of these problems are put on the hierarchical BS system that was put into place in our in our world mm-hmm. that that as humans we would take care of each other we would get along just fine we would solve our own problems if we were allowed to not be essentially slaves you know yeah, you got you two.
1: Uh, you got two competing visions. You've got a matriarchal society, which is much more like that, much more nurturing, much more extended families. Uh, but not a lot of progress is made. Uh, in fact, most of the matriarchal societies are, are quite quite old. You know. And then you got the patriarchal mm-hmm. societies which are um, you know invention progress you know progress in in all kinds of different things the dreams us crazy guys dream a lot of and do outrageous things like action radio but on the other hand you've got the hierarchy that goes with it because some are going to succeed and some are not so how do we this is a really big question for a show how do we merge the best of the matriarchal par- patriarchal we have the progress we have the innovation and we have the extended families and the nurturing and we have a society that is cooperative so the teen- teenagers can get pregnant and it's going to be supported by the whole society, because our our whole economics are based on uh, both individual and group in a way that doesn't hurt the individual or the group. That's a big question. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes, it's all possible if we humans were allowed to manage ourselves, I think. And I don't know, I feel like we're on the way there. I think the pandemic is actually going to turn out to be all of this intensity right now that looks so awful is going to end up alchemizing and turning out to be a huge wake up for all of us. Yep. Uh, you know we had this bifurcation of humanity where people went one way or the other and um some people will I mean we're seeing people dying because of the choices they made right that mm-hmm. following the government and I think it's yeah. just tragic Well that's that got to be all, the most we're all waking you want to talk about
1: a psychological burden of, of having somebody die or having a having a, a close family member die because they took the vaccine they did what they were told to do and they died anyway that's got to cause yes. internal right. Just, you know, huge, uh, just, you know, absolute ferocity. I'd feel that way. Yeah. You know, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And when we
0: all heal from this, we're going to be much wiser, much wiser population.
1: You know, this is one of those times, and this is a turning point in history. I would say we've got the greatest technology, we've got the greatest freedom, and the greatest depression all at the same time. And it's going to be interesting Mm. to see how it shakes out. Yeah. On that thought.
0: Well, I love our, I love our conversations. I'm I do too. i to need to run, but um, yeah, I week. love that you brought up that topic this week. It was fun to research sex during COVID, and it was fun to see they don't actually have a solid conclusion, but we have some ideas and food yeah. for thought, and it all kind of goes together.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, see. We, we, we discover next week. And like I said, Mondays are fascinating because I get to talk the first hour bring up whatever I want. Uh, Jonathan has all the the legal things that he brings up and and you bring up these things. And it's just such a fascinating contrast. Uh, They have nothing to do with each other, but they have everything to do with each other.
0: They kind of do. do. Yeah. Yeah. It all ties together. all kind of overlaps right into these themes, these wonderful Mm -hmm. themes
1: for humanity.
0: Um, So thank you. And um, I'm sure I'll see you on Facebook this week.
1: Websites, uh, (laughs) contact, uh, public information, anything you want to share?
0: Facebook, Dorothy Diana, website, www.yoniyun, all one word, dot com
1: Sounds good. Yep. All right, I'm going to play a couple things, and I'll be back uh, tomorrow with uh, – with Brianna Cannon starts it off with Government Inquiry, so we're going to uh, deal with that. And then we've got uh, Josie who I want to talk to. Josie especially because we just got Cuba on the world map. Cuba's now listening to us. Isn't that wild? Are you still there? She might have gone. Anyway, we got our both folks. I got to meet you both anyway because I'm gonna play a couple things. But I'll talk more about that tomorrow. Cuba is now listening to Action Radio. Which I find outrageous. From addiction to achievement, that is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow, and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of My Pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates. W-Y-L Which stands for Write Your Laws MyPillow pillows are guaranteed The most comfortable pillow You'll ever own Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most Controversial show you will Ever hear Check out their products with our discount code At MyPillow.com Slash W-Y-L That's MyPillow.com Slash W-Y-L or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio live. Do you know your way around health care, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Grave Care. And now as an affiliate of Grave Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Grave Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is gracecare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. And just a reminder that our legislative website, writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, pretty self-explanatory from the homepage to the legislation page. Just follow it step by step through and you can write a bill. You can comment on bills. You can do all kinds of things. You can advocate bills. You can copy the links to bills and send them to uh, media, government, uh, whatever you want to do to help. And there's a million things that that you can do to help. And I appreciate uh, every one of them. Uh, Congratulations to our new listeners in Cuba. I'm not sure how you're doing it. But uh, if the Internet gets through there, then uh, you showed up in the world map, so that's wonderful. Uh, maybe I should have announced that. <laughs> I don't know. It's too late now. I'll talk to Josie, who's our, our, our Latin America specialist. She'll let me know uh, the truth about that. Back tomorrow morning, 7 a.m. Central Time. And, of course, you can get us podcasts podcast anytime at uh, blogshockradio.com slash citizenaction.
5: 18 plus.